two, one. Hello and welcome to a interesting watch along here uh, of the Indiana Pacers and Brooklyn Nets. Uh, joined by Brooklyn Nets fan and friend of the pod, Antonio Bivens. Antonio. Yeah. The Pacers are better than the Nets. Absolutely. How do you feel about that? Um, well, well, Zach, uh, existence is pain, and my life is terrible for all of my sporting franchises. So it's about par for the course. I I I uh, I vaguely remember you talking about how you know you're you know kind of confident in the Yankees and the Jets were like four and one. And, like, you know, everybody was like, Brooklyn's got two cupcake games against the Pacers. And the Pacers then decided to break the franchise record for three-pointers in a game, which was fucking awesome to watch. Cam, the Bulls, on the other hand, are in a very interesting spot as well. They're actually playing okay without some of their more important players. So Mm -hmm. how are you feeling there? Well, it's it's really just a matter of uh, I, the, the the motto for the Bulls this year. I think is just going to be like keep on keeping on and just kind of keep their heads above water until you know until something happens. They actually have the Nets tomorrow, um, so that could be that could be an interesting one. You Enjoy know, your win, Brooklyn on the on the back end of a back and back here. We'll see, you know, we'll see what they do. Well, they're probably going to say Ben Simmons for tomorrow. Because they think no Ben Simmons against the Pacers is a better play than playing him because they lost with him. So mm-hmm. uh, I am intrigued. Uh, Kevin Durant only shot eight of twenty in the last game, and it's not like the Pacers are good at defense. Like they gave up like 150 points to the Spurs. Uh, but I, I'm just intrigued with the way that they did not give a fuck about guarding Kevin Durant, and they literally just were like. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, yeah, y'all can fucking score as much as you want. We're still going to win. It's a really interesting strategy that should never work. But yet it did. <clears throat> I mean, it, listen, I, I think Kevin Durant is one is just one of those guys where he's going to do it to you regardless. And, like, you know, just let him have his 30. Yeah, he had like 26 yeah. on 8 of 20. Let him have it. God, they're de- – like, even in this lag, their defense is just so atrocious. Like, I don't – I know it's two minutes into the game, but just, like, just watching it. Because, as, as you know, I don't really watch sports. I just follow on, on ESPN, watching updates and, and checking all that. I've hardly sat down – to watch a live game in a while, but my God, like actually seeing it in real time, embarrassing. They're playing four bad defenders and a mediocre one and Nick Claxton. Like KD does not care about defense until it's the playoffs. He does not care about defense, period. Nah, he, he defends Giannis really well in the playoffs, but like he only turns that on in the playoffs. Every other time throughout mm-hmm. the year, it like, is. What does defending Giannis really well look like? It's like when people said that that they defended LeBron James really well in the finals, like back in the uh, like the sixteen uh, Cavaliers. And like, 
he still scored 30 points a game. How's that defending him well? Oh, you stopped him from getting 50. Great job. Well, if LeBron gets you 36 and 6, like you've lost that game. But if LeBron just gets like 30 points and 10 rebounds but no assists, who gives a shit? The one thing that I will say about the Pacers is Buddy Heald is averaging like five and a half assists, and I just don't understand. Like he did this a little bit last year, but to put it into last year's volume. Points, I'm sorry. That is like first points of the year. I don't think he's played, has he? Nah, he played in the last game. He was fine. It's Joe Harris. Like, he's going to give you 12 points a game if you're, like, but. Forced to turn over there. Uh, I love the bald head of Rick Carlisle. There's nothing that brings me more joy than knowing that, like, Rick Carlisle definitely could grow out his hair, and he chooses to straight razor it every three days. Because he's probably balding. No, he it's just been his style since he was an NBA coach. I feel like this should be this should be a big Miles Turner game. You would think Nick Claxton has always given Turner trouble though. Uh the matchup I'm intrigued by is honestly Jalen Smith guarding Kevin Durant. Like that should not work. Um just given like Jalen Smith's defensive liabilities. Mm-hmm. Um but in the last game, like I said, he shot eight of twenty, like if you're the Pacers and Durant usually torches you for 40 a game, you'll take eight of 20 shooting. So here's a uh, here's an interesting question. How long do we think uh, Steve Nash lasts as a head coach if the Nets continue on this? Well, I'm actually – so my, my opinion was, and, and I think, think mostly still is, that like he's going to just be the sacrificial lamb. Basically, like when Brooklyn is like, you know, three games under at at the at New Year's or something like that. That's when they're going to make a change. But I think um, it's interesting now because um, Kyrie Irving has just taken every single degree of heat off of Steve Nash. And now I think Brooklyn can actually say, well, it's like distraction. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you say anti-Semitic, well, you, I'm sorry, he didn't say them. He <laughs> endorsed them. A, a, a video that definitely promotes those things. Yeah, and, and then just be combative about it. I'm I'm so sick of him as a human being, and I just I wish he would go away. Yes, I I, I agree with you. I I I mean. Zach, this is a very um, anti-Kyrie podcast at times last year. <laughs> I I agree. I, to I, say the least. Um, I think it is certainly one of those things where um, it's I I don't know if you can like it. It's not just that like you're like Kyrie's like taking point like he's shaving points off of his legacy. At this point, um, you know, he's... And, like, what was Kyrie's legacy, if we're being real here? Like, Kyrie's legacy was, like, good stats on a bad team and then needs an alpha to carry him through the playoffs. Like, honestly. Like, maybe you can make one argument that Kyrie was, like, part of the reason why the Cavs won in 2018. I mean, 
he absolutely because if he doesn't make that shot, the the Cavaliers lose. Mm-hmm. They, they lose I, I mean, I I think that Kyrie was trending in a much better direction before. I mean, it, this is like this isn't really anything new for him. I mean, it it all started when on draft night he fucking says the earth is flat. Like, <laughs> I just. I've never liked Kyrie. Like, I've always been anti-Kyrie. And the sole fact that, like, Brooklyn went all in thinking that two very aloof players in Kyrie and KD were going to figure it out is crazy to me. Like, there's a reason Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler did not work together. Mm -hmm. It's because both of them are super aloof and they have clashing personalities. These guys act like they're buddy-buddy in real life, but, like, who gives a fuck if you can't put it together on the court? Like, yeah, that, that's think, certainly a move wearing a Halloween costume. And I, I think a lot of the things Kyrie has done is started to push Kevin out, and that's probably why he asked for a trade. I can't believe they, you know, I can't believe that uh, they he asked for that. He asked for that trade the day after Kyrie opted in. Like you would think that it's like, oh yeah, I'll stay. Obviously, I'm in the state because my friend is staying. But if Kyrie opted in, and he's like, hey, I want out of here. So I think his antics have just gotten KD like like hey I'm I'm done with this you are, you're gonna sit out half the year because of the COVID vaccine then we can't use you in Brooklyn we can't use you in Toronto even when you are playing and now you're crying about wanting a trade to the Lakers and when that doesn't work out you're like oh I'll stay oh by the way have you guys have you guys heard about this whole uh, Jewish thing. Which which part? <laughs> I, you know, I I really wonder though, like, what Kyrie's endgame with all this is. Like, he wants people to think he's smart. That, exactly, I, that's hundred percent it. He thinks he <laughs> he thinks he's smarter than everyone, and he wants people to think that he's smart. You're it, it's it's right. the it is the Kanye West Joe Rogan. I think you know, I think he's trying to make himself just, a martyr. I mean, like that he, could be it. That could be that could be a little it, it too. I think he That's, kind of it kind of feels like he's trying to get himself kicked out of the league or like blackballed, and then write a manifesto later in life. That was like why it, I got does it. It, he think maybe he thinks he's like Colin Kaepernick. I mean, for a while he acted like that with his ideas of social justice, which are fine. But you can't at the same you like Colin Kaepernick at least tried to play. He did he didn't say people are getting murdered by the police and I refuse to play. Mm-hmm. He like he at least was like, hey, I'm still here, I'm still practicing, I'm still trying. Kyrie's just like, I'm not doing that because there are bigger things than basketball going on. Okay, there absolutely are. And if that's your position, stop playing. Give up your contract and go take care of those things that you yeah. Because what's um, what's your face did that like the WNBA player? Um, we'll say which links. one. Let's say which the, one. We talking about the one who's currently jailed in Russia or? Uh... <laughs> oh, I think he's talking about Skylar Diggins. Oh, that's Was right. Skylar right, right. Diggins. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I may be getting the name wrong, but I I have a. I feel like it's Skylar Diggins. Is it? Because there was a big WNBA player who was just like I'm. 
not going to play because I'm doing these things. And she did a whole lot of stuff for social justice. <clears throat> and she came back to the league because she felt like she got a lot of things accomplished. Well, she also, like, she did a lot of social justice stuff at UofL, right? Because I think that's where she went to school, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, like... No, it wasn't Skylar Diggins. Who was it? It was, um... So what the fuck is her. Kevin Durant? Dude, Kevin Durant is insane. I, mean, I just... I, it, it, was the, it was the players that she were... Like, she got... Um, She got oh, Maya Moore. Maya Moore, okay, sure. Ah, yes. That's yeah. a, that, that sounds more right. She got like some dude <laughs> out of prison and then she married him, I think. Hell yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. That's finding true love, love right there. Love. You know what I'm saying? Let's see. Ooh, ooh, easy. Okay. Why did Man, the Pacers end up with a stuff like that? All power to him. A podcast got someone else out of jail recently. Yeah, hell yeah. Serial podcast, man. I listened to that for class. It, it was a really good show, too. Um, so far, 16 to 12, five minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, Steve Nash takes the time out here. Benedict Matherin about to check in for the Pacers. Cam, if you had to put a bet on it, would you go with Paolo right now or Benedict Matherin for Rookie of the Year? Uh, considering how early we are, I'm still, I still think Paolo is going to pull ahead. Uh, but Matherin is looking very he's impressive. Like, he went from like plus 1800 at the start of the year. He's got to be like the second favorite. He's at this second, point, right? right? He's like plus 450. Yeah. I mean, when, when you drop 30 in a game, you know, early 35, 35, man. Yeah, and that I cannot. I, helps. I can't think of a Pacers rookie that's been like this good right off the bat, or like even a new player, because like Paul George, it took him about 50, 60 games before he was really in the lineup and really killing it right away. Um, Neil Jo, when he got here, it took him about ten games, but after that, man. I mean, I still think number seven should be retired by the Pacers. So absolutely, he got he should have won a championship. Like that is the biggest. If, if the mouse at the palace doesn't happen, the Pacers win that year. They're, it's like, like it, they probably sweep the Western Conference team. Like I, I told you, like I watched that uh, documentary of what last year when it came out. Ron Artest, yeah. dislike the Pistons just that much more. See, and, like, I don't hate the Pistons anymore. I, I really, like, I, I, I've i kind of gotten over it in that aspect. But, like, I will still never forget, like, how much that cost Indiana. Because, like, sure. not only would they have won the title that year, but, like, they probably would have kept that team together because the owner was like, we're still under the tax. I'm willing to spend more at the time. Um. And like, fuck, Ron Artest was averaging 28 a game at that point, 28 points and seven rebounds. I mean, he was just. They don't trade away Artest. They don't. Like, Miller gets to go out having a ring. Like, obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, and even without it, but it just feels better. And when was the other year that they made the Eastern Conference Finals? Was it like 2000? So they made it. They made the finals in what year? 2000. 
2000, and they yeah they got steamrolled by the Lakers. That and that was that was the Robert Horry, Kobe Bryant, Shaq. Yeah, like no one no one was beating the Lakers. like that that Lakers three P. Nobody was beating them. No, no, and to catch them like right at the start of it too. Yeah, like, like it. Prime maybe if, Allen Iverson. What that was? Did, didn't they get swept? Yeah, by that Lakers well, team. It, but also, Prime Allen Iverson was the only person on that whole team. That is true, but still, that's that's a lot to. I mean, if, can know, we I talk mean, about how crazy is that Allen Iverson literally led that team to the fucking finals? Like, nobody, I get it. The nobody East was, was going against Shaq. Wasn't great. The East wasn't great. Like, the Nets were really good because they still had, like, Jason Kidd and, like, yeah. a, de- a decent squad back then. But, like – And that's around the time I started watching basketball again is that, that Nets team. I mean, that's a good team to watch. Like – I I loved me some Jason Kidd back in the day. Now nowadays, realizing how big of a shitbag he is, like could care less about him. Joe Johnson playing for the Pacers already is hilarious to me. He's 105 years old with running around a bunch of 20 year olds. I didn't know he was in the league. When did this happen? Oh, the Pacers signed him this offseason. Like they literally were like, hey Joe Johnson, come be our like 15th man. But it turns out he actually plays. Good for ISO Joe, you know, like he he's a good guy. Rick. His Atlanta years were fantastic. Dude, I ISO Joe may be my second favorite NBA live player of all time. Cause like nobody beats Prime Danny Granger, obviously with the uh jersey tonight. Uh nobody beats Prime Danny Granger in NBA Live, but like ISO I'm, I'm Joe rocking the uh Rush jersey, my fraternity did, based there off of the, the OG Raptors. Raptors shirt. Uh, I'm wearing a band T-shirt, so nice. <laughs> I'm not wearing sports. I, you know what? Um, low key, really good bench signing for Brooklyn is a uh, Utah U- Utah Wantanabe. When he wants to play, yeah, like he's been like, he's been kind of hit or miss this year. Uh, Edmund Sumner though, playing for the Brooklyn Nets is really nice. Like. I loved him in Indy. I kind of wanted him to go to Chicago because, like, I think that's one of the things the Bulls need is just, like, an athletic slashing guard who can play defense. Mm. Uh, just, like, another one to, like, fill minutes. Um, I mean, at least until Lonzo gets back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but like, kno- and still, who knows when that's going to be. Yeah, he, may, he may not play this year. I, I, I everything I wouldn't I've read, be shocked. You know, to have a second second surgery where they have to go into your leg again and pull this out. Could, I, this could, depending on how the year is going, this could be like a little bit of a soft uh, reboot for the Bulls, I think. Because I, I think they could try and um, just move off Vucevic and try and retool for next year. Well, they don't have their uh, pick this year, right? I don't think so, no. I think it's uh, Orlando. But I, I think, wonder I mean, if... You could probably get a first for Vucevic. You'd have to find the right team. You could maybe get a first for like Kobe White too. Would you like? This is crazy though. Like crazy talk. There's no chance you trade Vucevic to the Lakers, right? Depends on what you get back. Like the Lakers even have anything to be able to trade? I mean, it would be like their 2027 first. Could you go like Vucevic and White? For both picks and Westbrook, like I don't think I don't know if they I don't think um, I don't know how much money Vucevic is making off the top of my head. So Vucevic is twenty two. 
He's only making twenty two million. Yeah. Oh fuck. They. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to get. You'd have to. You'd really have to like play with the numbers there, because like Kobe White's only making like eight and a half, right? It's Seven not and a half. Yeah, it's not making. So that's only twenty nine million. I don't think the. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Lakers would do that because, like, I don't know what. I mean, I, I'm I don't sure, know. Like, Vucevic and Anthony Davis kind of sounds hot. Like that sounds. Yeah. Like oh, hot. for sure, for sure. But it's like. <laughs> God. I don't know if like Anthony Davis goes down, then Vucevic oh, yeah. is not the replacement that you want. And I, I think, the, yes, the logical, ideal move that like people that I think everybody expects to be done at one point is yes, Turner and Heal for the two first and Westbrook just makes too much. I sense. mean, I don't get why it hasn't been signed off yet. We we heard turn on Woshay basically say like. If I was the Lakers, I would cons- I I would do it basically. It's just like, why the fuck is Woj asking these questions? Like, because he can. Because I mean, the the NBA the NBA should find Woj for tampering at this point. I mean, and like, him and Shams both like really get like really get close to tampering, and there is no penalty the NBA could like levy on them. Other than like removing their media access, which they're not going to do, they, they, would, they wouldn't. I mean, those you know how many the benefit like, of being a journalist. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like Woj and Shams, like how are agents going to get there? Like how or, are you going to get or, reporting out if you like if how the NBA, how like, is Miles Turner how is Victor Oladipo going to send cryptic messages to the Pacers fandom uh, if uh, Shams isn't there to report it? Yeah. Um, Antonio, what? Who was the player that made you fall in love with basketball? The player? Yeah, the player. Who was the Who was the player that you were like, "Yep, this is why I like basketball." Uh, it was Jason Kidd. It was, it was those early Nets days when I started watching basketball again. Was, uh I gave up on basketball after being a Knicks fan by proxy because I'm from New York. You know, I never really cared about the team. I didn't know anyone besides Patrick Ewing, but them just being terrible all the time. I was just like, nope. I'm out of this, but I really liked Jason Kidd. I liked what he was doing. And then honestly, after that, it was like my junior year of high school when LeBron got drafted. And I just think he's amazing. He's the reason, biggest reason I even still care about basketball more times than not. Because while I always root for the Nets, I check to see how LeBron's doing. It's crazy. LeBron's like damn near 40 and still like 37. First of all, He's not damn near 40 because he's only a year older than me. So you shut your damn mouth. Look, look, Antonio, this is all love. This is all love here on this show. But, like, let's be real here. LeBron is, you know, getting fucking up there. You shut your whorish mouth. He's about to play. Is he in his 20th season? Like, Yes. He's in his 20th season. Ooh, Durant got the hit in the face. Not, Not great there. Uh, welcoming our other guest, Anderson LeClaire, joining us from wherever he's joining us from. What's up? Hello? Andy, hello. Hello. This is my mic on. Buddy, how are you? Can you hear me? We yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's up? Doing good. Oh, shit. He got hit in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to huh. check to see if it's flagrant, I'm sure. Fair enough. 
I don't think it was, but no, I don't think it was either. But the only it's the only way to stop him, blind him. I mean, it is Kevin fucking Durant. Like that is a very valid strategy. He's got nine of Brooklyn's twenty-four so far. I mean, yeah, he is he is like the fourth best player in the league. So yeah, he has uh, been really good this year. He was bad the other night and had 26 points in, you know, like that's like he was actually terrible against the Pacers the other night and had 26 points. He's a- averaging 32 so far. Uh, here, here, here you go, Cam. So we got weird. Uh, Antonio's answer. Who was the player that made you fall in love with basketball? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know if it was necessarily a player, but it like definitely the like one of my and Zach, you probably understand this being from Indiana as well. I, I distinctly distinctly remember being in first grade and my um, first grade teacher like turning the TV on to watch the NCAA tournament because oh, yeah. I believe Valpo was playing that year. Um, I, th- that's definitely like just being able to like watch those games in school, I think um, did a lot for me. And then um, my a cousin of mine, she played basketball at Valpo as well, um, and we used to go to a ton of ton of her games. Um, and, and I think that that like just some combination of going to see all those you know games in person, like going to a bunch of you know VU games, um, and then just that that experience you get when the NCAA tournament happens. I think that's, you know, that's, that's definitely it. In terms of like pro Zach, I'm sure you can probably get Kirk Heinrich, right? I feel like that was my first favorite uh, basketball player. Let's talk about, I want to talk about Benedict Mather in here. That is one hell of a pass there uh, under Nick Claxton's leg to Isaiah Jackson was fouled on the shot. He did not pass the ball to Arizona, and he averages like four and a half assists this year for the Pacers. Uh, fucking fantastic. Anyway, Anderson, your, your, your turn to answer the question. Who is the player that got you fall in love with the NBA? Okay, with the NBA specifically, so um, uh, I was a bit – I watched college basketball before I watched pro. Uh, I'm from Syracuse. Uh, one of my first memories of watching basketball is the – uh, SCU UConn six overtime game in the Big East tournament. Wait, uh, that was one of your first memories? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember my mom letting me stay up and watch it in the next day at school. Just like everyone talking about it. It was insane. Uh, but then I decided I want to watch the NBA. Um, I liked Blake Griffin. I decided that I was going to be a fan wherever he got drafted. And so that's how I'm a Clippers fan. That's awesome. Yeah, he was that him him in college that year was insane. He was he was good. Yeah, it's it's weird how like Oklahoma just will randomly have these like world beater teams like once a decade. Yeah, yeah but they had like Trey Yavin won sixteen games. Like, yeah, like I mean, can you really call that a world beater team when they? Honestly, got their ass trounced. Well, okay, like, it, not necessarily related to their high draft pick teams, but. Yeah, I mean, every, every once in a while they have they have a really good team. And I think I think the team you're really thinking about is like UCLA, like especially modern day UCLA. They have one team every decade that's like 
really good. Like the Kevin Love here. The so Kevin Love. Mick, Cro- Mick Cronin has a – he's got something going down in, in – And, in and I hope you're right. I hope you're right because, like, when UCLA is good, there's a lot more attention on college basketball. And that, yeah. in turn, will mean more attention on the Big Ten here in a couple of years. Um, but it is interesting. Uh, you know, it's like some of these teams will just have, like, one off. Like, they'll have one player commit, and then that team wins, like, 26 games. But, like, then there's players like fucking Ben Simmons who commits to LSU out of nowhere. And his, uh, uh, uncle had a job there, if I remember correctly. They were, like, what were they, 17 and 15 that year? And yeah. everybody was like – They were terrible. But um, it, it was for him to not go to the G League and he's Australian, play college, get drafted high. He went number one. I mean – Anthony Edwards is another player to do it where it's like clearly the best player in the the class. And it's just like you go to some dog shit team. Well, he, he like, was from it, it's Georgia. so weird that that happens in basketball because it would never happen in Absolutely. NCAA football. And well, uh, that's like, like hey, Tom Crane can recruit his ass off. Like if you're like the best quarterback and you go to like, I don't know, like IU. the University of Delaware. You're <laughs> never getting fucking drafted. Uh, tell that to Joe fucking Flacco. Country. Tell that to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is trash. Remember, he has a Super Bowl, and he won a game for the Jets. Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl. Does that make him good? No. Better no, than me. Look, look. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, you got to use a you got to use a better example than. Fucking University of Delaware. I gave you one with IU, where our best football player ever might be Trent Green. Like Antoine Randall. Come on. <laughs> like he had four good seasons. Trent um, Green was at least like playable for 10 years. Like um I just no, you gotta give it up to Taglia Farrow. And if I remember correctly, Flacco was a transfer into UD. So he's not even it's not like he committed there. He went. He went from the junior college route, and he took. He took. He decided to not go to. Uh, he had an opportunity to go to UVA, who was also just dog shit at the time. I mean, uh, like all Virginia teams, yes. <laughs> hey man, Virginia Tech with Michael Vick. That was a special team. That was twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you even walking when that happened? You wouldn't. Ne- you would not even remember that. I've seen the highlights. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> the highlights. I, I just remember I got NCAA 2007 for my birthday on the PlayStation Portable. Oh, and that's I, not even that's not even peak Michael Vick, Zach. Uh, you can't talk about Michael Vick without talking about Madden 2004. Oh, Madden 2004. Madden 2004. Michael Vick is the goat. Banned has, has been banned in households. Yes. <laughs> um, unstoppable. unstoppable. See, it's like it's weird because, like, Zach, I know I'm not that much older than you, but I, I feel like I'm old enough to where it's like it makes a difference. There's like there's still like a little bit of a so. So I do have I do have the Mad Note Four for PS2. I did end up breaking my PS2. The disc reader just stopped working, uh, so that really sucks. But I I remember getting a PSP for my birthday, and it had NCAA 2007. And I would always schedule Virginia Tech in my custom schedule, like on the road, so I could get an A plus schedule and then just beat the shit out of Virginia Tech. Because <laughs> they were like, 
They're like a C plus on offense and an A plus on defense. And if you just ran the pistol, they couldn't stop you. So, I, mean, I, used to, I used to do that in NCAA games all the time. Do not necessarily Virginia Tech, but like where is the best team? I'm putting it in PSU schedule, and that's how I'm winning. Yeah, yeah. And so see, I, I used to just run the option. I was an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For some reason, there was one year where like Navy had like an unbeatable option. I forget one of the NCAA games. Uh, it's, well, it doesn't matter because like I, I was so good with it. Like I, I could just take teams who <laughs> didn't run the option, option offenses. Like if you just get a good enough running back, like Auburn, and I think I, I think I like had three thousand yards rushing with like Auburn's uh, running back or something See, like that. But, but um, before we get into any more NCAA dynasty talk. Uh, 30, 33-18 Nets, end of the first quarter. Uh, Kevin Durant, 13 points. Pacers are like 0 for 12 from 3, I think. A complete contrast the other night. Now, the, the Pacers played horrible for 16 minutes, the first 16 minutes of the game, like last game, against the Nets, and then hit 20, 23s in the last, like, 28 minutes. So, yeah. Because uh, uh, I think we were winning for a bit. Um, and I, I just I, texted I you at the time, but I like I went to sleep and I woke up and we had gotten blown out and I was like, oh, that's that's how this year is going for me, just all pain <laughs> all the time. Oh, there it is. There's our first three. There it is, By Benedict Matherin. Uh, so you guys all answered the question: What player or team made you fall up? Uh, Steve Francis was mine. Uh, Lego made an NBA set for one season. And it is the greatest non-bionicle Lego set of all time. And it's uh, worth like a thousand dollars now. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean the NBA stuff is fucking outrageous. Uh, you could get sealed boxes on Amazon for a hundred bucks, but it's all random. So, uh, but there was a Shaq and Kobe box that was recently sold on eBay for like twenty eight hundred dollars. And like we're talking about mass-produced Lego sets from less than. 20 years ago like i think it, i think those came out in 0304 uh or like just after the 04 season because the nba wanted to get more money for their upcoming lockout because you know lockouts suck and um so like steve francis chris weber david robinson tim duncan dirk levitsky like all these players had these legos made of them and jalen rose like it was an awesome thing for like people who collected Legos, who collected sports cards. Like there's a Lego collector set out there. If you wanted to collect all the rarities and everything. Uh, so Steve Francis was the first one I got. My dad get, got me a three piece set and I got the Steve Francis Rockets home Jersey. And it came with T-Mac and an Orlando Jersey. And um, it had Allen Houston on it. Like it was awesome. Uh, and then the first team the Steven Jackson, Ron Artest, Indiana Pacers, 0304, and the and of course the the great Malice at the Palace year of 0405. Uh just that team was maybe the most talented team Indiana's ever had, as far as like pure talent goes. Uh, but also just like Jamal Tansley randomly shooting up a strip club. You had like Steven Jackson punching out fans every other night. Like Hold on, he didn't punch out fans every other night. It sure fucking oh. felt like it. He got he got he got in so many fights with security guards and fans and 
when they play at Market <laughs> Square Arena. Like you know as well as I know that fans are unruly pieces of shit, and sometimes they need to get hit in the mouth. Oh, I agree. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I enjoyed it because like him and Ron didn't take any shit. Ron Artest would literally like leave in the middle of the week just to go DJ at like a club in Vegas. I like, saw that in the documentary. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just not show up for two days. And, then like, and like that man held it all we together. Call the uh, the uh, Dennis Rodman clause. Like yeah. Rick Carlisle. <laughs> Rick Carlisle has had two stints with this team. One of them is this uh, hodgepodge of young players and Miles Turner, and then the other is like the other part was maybe the most like thuggy basketball team of all time like actually thuggy because Jamal Tinsley literally got arrested like four or five times for having illegal guns and strip clubs uh, hey it turns it, out the Nets are better without Ben Simmons Antonio that's my takeaway <laughs> from this it's been one and a half quarters of basketball you're up 19 and Kyrie like actually actively like Playing defense, it's almost Kyrie like with a strip steal fast break. It's almost thought? like he's running away with a piece of matzah from the Jewish. Man. <laughs> Jeez, uh... Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I can't. I cannot believe the NBA hasn't done anything. Like I'm, a, I'm kind of surprised too. Actually, like. Because- he, it's going to go down to what he said, where he's like, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just sharing this. Yeah, I'm sharing it. No, I, I'm, I, I agree with you. He's I'm not surprised he didn't get like semitism. He's talking about the the elites controlling things and unleashing diseases. The anti-Semitism, that's just a backdrop that he's not going to refer to. Listen, I, I have nothing. It's like He, he basically come, came out and said, like, listen, I have nothing against the Jews. But everyone knows that the new world order is controlling everything, right? That sounds exactly like what I heard earlier. As I was listening to it, I was like, "Oh my!" Like, have you you guys know what's at the Denver airport, right? Like, I, dude, I I don't understand Kyrie Irving at all. I just I I don't find it. He he thinks he's the smartest person, and he wants everyone. I I think it's more of the martyr thing. I think he is trying to make himself a martyr for the NBA because there's never really been okay, one. No it, it, it probably is both, honestly. But, like, there's never really been a martyr for the NBA unless you count, like, Ron Artest. Like, has there really been any other martyrs in the NBA? Other What's than- his face almost? Uh, the Nets GM or the Rockets GM almost getting fired for – Oh, Daryl Morey, yeah. 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 Wait, what um, happened with Daryl Morey? I'm missing something. Uh, like a few, there was a beginning of the season a few years ago. He uh, said something about Hong Kong or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it was like while NBA players were in China. Yeah. And like yeah. LeBron James was acting like the secret police were about to kick down his door. Yeah. Like, honestly, but, honestly though, like, like they had LeBron James like leading, reading off Q. Yeah. You know, I think we're forgetting the, the most important martyr, Enos Freedom. Who currently is yes. not in the league when he could oh, be a starter? He's he's just so he's just so good, and the NBA is keeping him out because 
of China. That's right. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. such a piece of shit. And not, <laughs> because, <laughs> not because he's a total douchebag or anything like that. <laughs> um, basketball, but you know, that's fine. Yeah, you know, you know, it, it my dad always oh says, Oh my like, god, when you got do when you got Joe Harris, was that yeah, when you got Joe Harris leading the fast break. Oh, there you know it goes. It's not your they night. kill the stream. They might kill the stream. Hold up. Oh, there it goes. All right. Ah, uh, uh, all right. So they I will tried say to stop this. us, back, but they can't stop us. Nah, they can't silence us. Oh, got him again, buddy. He'll taking his fucking trade value. Boom. Call another timeout. Call another timeout. Kyrie's three for three for threes. Yep. It's not that you guys are on computers and can look up these stats because uh, I can't. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm here for. What do you need looked up? No, I'm, I just like I'm it's always amazed. You're like, oh, there's this and this. I'm like, I'm just only able to see on this stream because I'm holding my phone talking to all of you. <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, I love uh, Anderson. Did you see that Miles Turner was on the, the Woj pod today? He was on the pod? Yeah, he was talking about being traded to the Lakers on the Woj pod today, even though like <laughs> like the entire podcast was basically about like Miles Turner and Buddy Hield should be traded to the Lakers for two first. Miles Turner, what do you think about this? Like, I, I had not I had seen that. No, yeah, it is. Hey, Miles, let me give you some uh, burrito places in L.A. Yeah. Um, he, How is little, that not like against any rules that he just like talk about a potential trade that he might be like, in? We, we were definitely we were definitely talking about this earlier. Uh, I would be kicked out of my journalism, like sports journalism class, if I tried to do any shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're Woj, uh... <laughs> and that's the problem. I feel like there's a, a lot better NBA insiders out there uh, than Woj, but you know, Woj works for ESPN. And that's who everybody gives a shit about. Uh, another thing I don't like, I don't like how Shams is sponsored by FanDuel. I think that that's a conflict of interest, but here we are. I did not know he was sponsored. That's uh, interesting. That does seem like a conflict of interest, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like we've seen Shams tweet, not like... But yeah, he's know, not like tweeting out parlays or anything. Yeah, it's like, not like he's tweeting out like, um, hey, this guy's out for... T- you know, this guy's out for tonight. Check the under on FanDuel. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it would be amazing. I, now I want to see that happen. The, the under has been adjusted to 204. For this game here? Or, uh, no, like that's my in your uh, theoretical. An NBA, game, an NBA game would never be 204. Are you kidding me? TJ McConnell, stop shooting threes. Never. That was just, please stop. He, he's, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, Antonio, Amen. I'm pretty sure you could hit more threes than TJ McConnell in a three-point contest. I promise you that I could not. In fact, you didn't get to see how actual terrible I am at basketball while you were here, but I am literal terrible. There's a reason that I wrestled in high school. Especially, I lived in Long Island, full of white people. They're like, oh, you're black. You play basketball, right? Absolutely not. Please do not pass me the basketball. You should have told like, him yes and then just ran around being mad. Is it That's like a I Stanley do. in the office type situation? Uh, not that bad, but close. <laughs> <laughs> Very close. <laughs> you know how people dribble between their legs? I've never figured that out. Oh, I, I don't do it. I just power dribble with my left hand. 
I literally like refuse to dribble between my legs. If I can't beat them left-handed, then I wasn't supposed to beat them, you know? <laughs> that's that's certainly a take. <laughs> uh, I find it funny that Royce O'Neal is, like, actually giving the Nets productive minutes. Like, okay, he was an okay player for the Jazz, but he's never but, been a good defender. He's, like... Productive minutes anywhere I can get them because um, these first six games have looked abysmal. Well, you know, Stephen A. Smith did kind of curse you guys. He did, in fact, go on record saying, look, you're one and four, but you have two cupcake games against the Indiana Pacers. Thanks. Um, Thank you. And so, Thank honestly, you, it, honestly, it's, we'll, we'll just start my favorite segment, Blame Stephen A. Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's my favorite segment, too. You know, like, you, know we talked, you and I have talked about this before, and I, I, I forgive a lot of his stuff because I've met him. But God, sometimes he talks and I'm like, please just stop. Please stop speaking. <laughs> there's, there's a few journalists I really can't stand. Stephen A. Smith's up there. Uh, but almost everybody that they have the, on the show get up now is like actually just dog shit. And I don't he, know. If it's- uh, you know, it's, I, I feel like he, um, if he would have been, like he's almost in a, He's almost kind of like a Brian Windhorst, Kobe Bryant type scenario because, like, he was in Philly. Like, he started at the Philadelphia Inquirer in 1994. And it's like, I know he was mostly writing about NBA, but I can't help but think it was like, hey, we can write about Kobe. You yeah. Know, it, it, it's just like, it, it, there's, I, it, you know, I, I feel like that's the thing. It's like, he does. Like I, every time I always hear talking about it, like, well, you know, he, it's a, it's an act, or it's, uh, you know, I, I do feel like he did have like some legit journalism creds, and then, you know, when ESPN kind of started going down like the take merchant path, yeah. he just, like he's I mean, the innovator yeah, they, of it, like he's, he's the grandfather of, right. you know, the the take economy, you know. I've stopped watching ESPN. And Antonio, I know what you were saying there, but I know uh, you and I are both very big advocates of Rich Eisen. Uh, I mean, Rich is a Yankees fan. He's a Jets fan. He's my favorite person. Uh, his his only flaw is that he's, you know, he went to Michigan, which, you know, not everyone can be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my dog is harassing me for pets. Hey, that's that's a fair reason to you know to you know, stop or whatever if you got to. Uh, I will say this: uh, no, nah, he's fine. It's because Michigan's not home and he's not getting enough attention. I'm a big fan of the Dan Patrick show too. Dan Patrick is one of the best interviewers of all time. Like, as good as he is at just like not setting up any questions at all, he's very good at making sure that information is getting presented as it's needed. Is that two? I thought he was behind the line, Dan. It's hard to tell on the lag. We're talking about um, weird sports media things today. Did you see that the NFL basically banned the Pat McAfee show from using graphics? Really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I saw that Pat put a tweet out saying, like, I thought we were doing some good for the NFL or whatever, and I had no idea what it was about. Mm-hmm. That's so he can't use any graphics or he can't use video. 
They cannot use NFL graphics or video, from what I understand. That is ridiculous. What the what the hell happened there? Because they they were like that was one of their big selling points on the show this this year was like we got to prove to use all this shit. They can't use highlights or anything. No, I I, I don't think in, unless I know that they I know for sure they can't use like logos and graphics. That's crazy. I know they get touchy with that stuff because, like, if, if you look at the stuff on like ESPN YouTube, like when they go to show a highlight, the highlight is just gone, even though it would have been there on um, like the live stream of it on like actual TV. So I don't know if that's something similar, but that's pretty dumb. They're like a little too protective of their properties, which doesn't make sense. Where like for some things, I understand like boxing and UFC. Like, you don't want people streaming that the next day because you're still having pay-per-views go for a couple of days, and maybe you still can get revenue off of that. But when it's a football game that was on yesterday, who cares? Like, I can't go online and buy that game and be like, oh, I'm going to watch this game now. Yo, apparently he paid – like, his show has paid more than $4 million for rights, and they're still telling him to stop. I get, I get, I get why they're very, you know, they never want people to talk bad about officiating players, Roger Goodell and his show. As good, as funny as Pam Maxey is, they do tend to like toss some shit out at the uh, NFL. So this is this is the old Watsy approach. If you talk bad about us, you get nothing. Yeah, yeah, I fucked up. It's really frustrating too because, like, I mean, fuck, Pat McAfee is the—I think it's the largest sports, like, non ESPN, not like it's the largest independent sports show. I mean, I, I would probably, in terms of just like pure sports shows that isn't like, yeah, ESPN or Fox Sport One. It's what part? It's I would say the only two that really matter are like part of my take. And we already we we know their relationship with the NFL. That's never going to change um, because of their association with Barstool and right. um, the Pat McAfee show. Like, yeah, I, it, I, are there any other two like independent sports media programs that matter really beyond those two? And it's like I just I feel like that is not the enemy that you want to make, especially because like Pat McAfee already has a relationship with ESPN. He has a relationship with you know wwe he has these relationships and it's like i would argue he is more powerful in sports media than even like dave from barstool like i like dave portland like i think he is probably the most powerful independent like sports guy like think how much grew in the one year he started his podcast it's insane well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I remember starting when I started watching him. He was at one one hundred and fifty thousand followers on YouTube, and he's a you know well over, uh, like it's, I think he's at two million now, or pretty damn close. Like, it is impressive to say the least. Ah, uh, damn you, you want the name? Fuck. Is that is that a Morris twin? Yeah, Marquise Morris. Oh, wow. I did not know he was on the Nets. Well, a, honestly, does anybody I mean, know what team either of them are on? I think they're the same. Person, uh, like, I know Mark is on the Clippers. Thank you. 
the, the, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like the NBA, like especially if you have like you know if, if you got like three max salary guys, you're gonna need to get minutes from some people that would probably be on some fringe rosters otherwise. But I mean, or you just gotta convince you know you gotta get people to come in on veteran minimums, and it's like it. I, I think, you know, Zach, we talked about this in our kind of like our preview show. Like, I think if Brooklyn can hold it together and if they can get some performances out of some of these guys, then, you know, obviously they have to. I, I think they probably have to be considered, you know. They're still not, the NBA's most dangerous team. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's just it's just a matter of. Can Brooklyn not implode for off the court reasons? I, I think that's always going to be Brooklyn's biggest problem. Like when they fire Steve Nash, if they get the right role in there, like, like let me go catch the Nets. Honestly, you know what, Kyrie, stop saying anti-Semitic shit, and we'll have a good day. All right. Like, other than that, I don't give a fuck what you're like. Yeah, Ben, how does your yeah? How do you feel today? Good. Okay. Cool. Not good. Ben, All right, maybe let's don't shoot the ball. Just block everybody, damn it! Then I just ball. want zero twenty and twenty out of you every game, okay? Oh my god, that'd be so good. If you can give me zero twenty and twenty every game, you'll be the greatest player in Brooklyn Nets history, okay? Just never, never shoot the fucking ball. I don't know about greatest. Come on, let's go. Have we forgotten about Keith Van Horn? Man, the Pacers are storming back. Uh, Chris Duarte, man, and like. I love, I love Chris Duarte's frosted tips. <laughs> it's a good look. It's a good look. He pulls it off. He, hey, I know, know this is a, a basketball podcast, but I, I just got to ask. Did everyone see the XFL's names and hate yes. them as much as I do? Why are they trying this again? Like Because, because it's, it's about money, and they're either what's going to happen is hey, – I, 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 now here's the thing. I own a couple XFL shirts, so I am the absolute wrong person to ask about this. <laughs> That's absolutely but, insane. I think you're the only person who owns those shirts. They are a collector's item. I I wear I wear my Seattle Dragons shirt all the time. Well, now they're Sea Dragons, so and, as well as the, as well as my St. Louis Battlehawks shirt. Um, no, I I I, I think that the, I, I think the. I'm going to stop short of saying I think that the, this is a that the NFL is going to end up buying the XFL or the USFL because I don't think you know it the would NFL, make sense. Well, hold on, hold on. The, the NFL already has a free minor league, and that's called the NCAA. Yeah, but um, there, however, there are a lot of people. Like I do me. think that the the United the US has such an appetite for football that what is going to happen eventually is that the XFL and the USFL are going to merge. And then we're truly going to see some a, a, a spring minor league, basically. And I, I think, think the think USFL that, already folded. No, they, 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 they can't. No, they, they played a full year and they are looking to come back in, in 2023 as well. Hmm. So it, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, there's so much money to be made playing football. And I think that if these teams, if these leagues are smart, then I, I, I believe that it's like they can, you know, pay like guys who are, I, I honestly think, because if, if you read into it, 
like the Canadian Football League is is in a little bit of a financial crunch at the moment. And what I think is going to end up happening is that the if the USFL and the um, XFL merge, which I, I like I said, I think is going to happen in, in like a year or so, um, I think they could pretty much bankrupt the Canadian Football League. I I, I, think I don't know why they wouldn't add in the Canadian Football League and just make I, I mean different rules, different tradition. I but um, to, to me, I think you would you would benefit having like because they used to have the NFL Canada or whatever. They used to have like the Europa NFL. They would benefit, I think, having the Canadian teams as part of as part of this NFL minor league. So I, I think I, I do think that the NFL is going to what's going to happen. I don't think it's ever going to be like a true developmental league, but I, I think the NFL is going to eventually take a small financial part in eat in like a combined XFL USFL. And I think it is going to be kind of like their test, kind of like just a testing um, site for them. Where it's like, hey, we want to try this rule change, or you know, we want to try this. Um, you know, maybe you know, and, and just kind of go from there. Yeah, I, I, I just like with it, the way college football is set up right now, where it's like SEC or bust, pretty much. Like, I'm kind of fucking sick of college football. Like, I'm so tired of watching. Alabama be as good I mean, as George. Uh, you're not that much younger, but like, do you remember the time when it wasn't all SEC all the time? Oh yeah, I do. I like I, USC and my Miami Miami University in Florida. There was U of L. Boise State had a fucking chance every year. Notre so, Dame was like occasionally seven and five. Like. I am going to rain on this parade for a second. Because college football has always been control has there has always and there will always probably ever be a top five or six of college football. I would be fine with that. In the nineties, it was it was Nebraska and Miami. In the early two thousands, it was like USC, Texas, Ohio State. At the turn of the you know the yeah, but but Cam, that's fine if it's not all in one conference that's my problem with it and yeah. like now with the way the conferences are now 20 fucking teams you know like the big 10 now being the big 37 or whatever the fuck they are like, cut it to 10. like to me that's the frustrating part it's like the sec has four teams this year four teams this year who could all be considered in the top four for the national title. Yeah. And it's like, this is a little bullshit. Like, so, <laughs> let me rein this back in. So, all right. Pacers within uh, 10 now. Going Dude, Isaiah Jackson. Time. Look at that. Um, a little bit of energy coming back. Joe, Joe Harris kind of looks like a, a wider Daniel Radcliffe, which I think is hilarious. Like, as sweaty as he is right now, so funny. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, 
Pacers are an interesting team. They always start off really bad, and then they just try to climb themselves out of holes. And well, Cam- that's what's – I mean, that's what's killed the Bulls too is just some slow starts like in their last couple of yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, fuck. Against the Pacers, you guys had like 35 points, I remember, right? Or 38 points. Like, <laughs> My wife is home. So I think right, that – Because that's, that's what killed them against the Sixers. They had 22 in the first quarter. Um Let's go, so Buddy Heald. Uh, money. I cannot believe this is a seven-point game all of a sudden. But that's, that's it, yeah. It, it sounds cliche, but um, as my dad always said, basketball is a game of runs. That Shoot. is uh, that is the Nets in like a nutshell, Ooh. right there. That was almost a four-point game at the half. That was almost a four-point game at the half. Antonio, I know you said I think you're gonna head out here, so yeah. Uh, I'm Hold in, so I'm gonna go. Give me, ahead give me your last last second thoughts on the net so far. Uh, they are booty cheeks, and uh, I hope that they start playing better because um, I have enough grades as it is, and so my heart can't take this. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe the Jets will win on Sunday for you. Thanks so much for joining. <laughs> oh God, why, why would you say that to me? Anyway, hey, guys, thanks for having me. I will see you later. Would you see if find Zach Wilson a mom? You know. Yeah, I guess. Bye. Cam, Cam, you brought up that game of runs thing with the uh, with the the Bulls here, and I don't know if there's any two more like terrible teams when it comes to runs uh, than the Bulls and the Pacers. Like, I don't understand either team. Um, the Bulls, for whatever reason, like against the Pacers, scored forty. In the first quarter, or what? 36, 38, 40, whatever. Well, it I, you have, I, I think with the Bulls, you have um, two volume scores, two hot, like, you know, two, two in DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, who can, I, I think, are like two of the last, like, heat check, or DeMar DeRozan, at least, like, kind of like that one of the last true like heat check guys where it's just like, you know, or the, the, you know, they can just score in, in droves here. And it's, you know, th- they do have a little bit of, um you know, young energy, you know, obviously like AO Desunmu has been starting for them with Lonzo ball out. Um, you know, he had 12 points in that Pacers game. Uh, you know, he should be, he should be averaging 12 and a half for most improved. He really should. I, yeah, it's well, it's one of those things where, you know, if he continues to – I mean, he's had 22, 12, and 12 in his last three. Um, uh, when was the last time Notre Dame was an underdog against Syracuse in football? Has uh, it ever happened? Probably. I mean, anymore, Notre Dame's not even a fucking underdog in basketball. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I found that funny, and then, of course, Notre Dame blew the snot out of – Syracuse this weekend. I will say this. Uh, it was a fun first half. Uh, Pacers started off like dog shit. Yeah. Fighting and... back. I, I'm, it's, it's, it's good to see that a team – but I, I, I think that the, the Pacers are definitely building something here. And I know that, like, Buddy Heald was a big part of that first half for the Pacers. 14, 14 points, points, four assists. He has yeah. more assists than Halliburton right now. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I think the crazy thing is like Buddy Heald is usually like only a three-point scorer. Uh 
five of nine, one of five from three. So he's hit yeah. all of his two-point field goals. Duarte, three from six from three with 13 points. Halliburton, nine points, six assists. Um, uh, if I biggest... saw that right, did I see that right? I did not see that right. Six rebounds, okay. Yeah, six um, rebounds for Halliburton, which is also crazy. does not usually get rebounds. It's quiet it's... from Turner, and I, I think you're right. It definitely seems like a Claxton – yeah, he, he struggled. He's kind struggled. of annoying him a little bit because Claxton's having a good game with 12.6 or 8, plus 13. Yeah, he's a plus 13 on the court. Uh, Turner minus I, 10. That might be the, the – the, the worst player on the team right now is Benedict Matherin. He's a second-half player. He's always been really good in mm-hmm. the second half of games. I think he's going to turn it on. Uh, I will say this. The most impressive player tonight has been Chris Duarte, who's been in the slump all year. Hopefully you can keep that going, but I will say this. 17 good minutes. Seven, yeah, 17 good minutes, but one block and one steal from Buddy Hill, or two steals from Buddy Hill as well. Huge there. Uh, around the NBA, Sacramento has the lead by five over Charlotte. Philly up six on Washington. Toronto up 11 on Atlanta at the half. And that Atlanta team, again, Spent a lot of money in draft capital this year, and it doesn't look like it's, you know, it will start like... for them for sure. No, let's see, no Kaminsky today. I... Where it's like, I don't know. Atlanta is going to be an interesting team to watch, I feel like. I still think John Collins gets moved by the end of the year. Also, they just they just locked up DeAndre Hunter for 150 billion dollars or whatever it is. Would you say like John Collins, Nikola Vucevic are kind of in the exact same position, where if their team are underperforming a little bit, then they probably just get moved for a soft reboot. I I I don't know if either I I don't know if Atlanta is in the position where they can reboot a little bit. I think what they end up doing is what do you think is their return for Collins then? Because like I, 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 if you want my I know honest opinion, if you want my absolute honest opinion, I talk to Memphis and I say I want uh, Triple J and a future first. Because Memphis is super healthy right now. They cannot risk losing ground in the West because. They don't have Triple J play. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta is still pretty much set to make the playoffs as a seven or eight seed at five hundred. At five hundred, and if Triple J comes back, he is a much better defender. Him and Clint Capella down low. Also, he's a much better floor spacer. I think the John Collins shoots a much better clip. That's the route I would go. I would try to get Memphis to go in on what they have right now. You're going to pay a little bit more in the long run, uh, but assuming that Triple J can play 70% of the games like he did last year, I think that's a better fit and a better player for you in the long term as well than John Collins. I'm very intrigued. I'm going to have to set some while I uh, play D&D tomorrow. I'm going to have to have this Bulls game on in the background because I'm I'm, I'm intrigued to see – uh, how they match up against Brooklyn, a team that they have really that they really struggled with uh, 
last year. And I, I do think, you know, you know, the, 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 the Bulls have kind of had an up and down start. Um, really, really struggled against Cleveland. Um, but they beat Boston. They kept it really close against Philadelphia in a game that they probably could have won. Um, lost by two to the Wizards, lost by five to the Spurs, um, and beat Miami. This is a Bulls team that is kind of like, you know, kind of tracking up and down. And I, I think if they can get, you know, obviously big if, but, if, you know, with Lonzo Ball back, then, you know, we're looking at a potentially an interesting team. And I think if Patrick Williams develops, Ayu Dathumu develops, could be an annoying, like, six or seven seed in the east um but I, I think this game against brooklyn even though that they're on a even though they're on a back and back uh, back and back we may not see Kyrie or we probably will give like one of Kyrie or durant tomorrow off um i think that's going to be an important game for chicago who's a bigger surprise is it san antonio or utah either of those two or is it brooklyn being one and five um i think it's like in terms of like what I would have thought at the beginning of the year, yeah. like yes, Brooklyn being one and five is surprise is probably the most surprising. I think San Antonio and Utah are certainly going to come back to the mean here. Um, like you, oh, San, Anto- San Antonio think, and Utah. I think like the thing that I think is like. I think people, if people could see Brooklyn get off to a rough start, like, yeah, there were there were some issues going in. We knew Kyrie was is Kyrie. Ben Simmons hadn't played basketball. Like, you could buy Brooklyn having a rough start, but like Utah and San Antonio just like looking good out of the gate. Like, I think part of it is just because people just assumed they'd be bad, so no one talked about them. Yeah, Utah's Utah's big thing is they're playing like an actual team. Like everybody is. They're just, I think that's because like San Antonio is full of just like young bad players, right? Like mostly besides Jacob or Pearl. Good old old Josh Primo getting cut. We didn't talk about that. Like Utah is just like, Utah is just like (laughs) veterans and stuff. They don't need to develop. Like, so I I think San Antonio is the bigger surprise out of those two for sure. I I think it's the Popovich effect. He always gets under his team's, you know, you get. He's just one of those guys who, like, everybody wants to play hard for because you never know when it's his last year. You know, I was looking at – I was look, thinking about, like, this Utah roster after, like, everything from the season. It's like I, – I, I will say if, if – I, I, and I, I understand I definitely agree with what you said. I, I just assumed that, like, a Brooklyn early year struggle would be, like, three and three and, you know – Simmons maybe playing like only two games and like Durant looking well, like he's you, trying you to were right about choke. the two games. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, you know, Durant looking like he's trying to force choke Kyrie at some point, or like you know, Kyrie like having a Native American woman answer press con- answer questions at a press conference or something like that. Um, but it's it's just one of those things where like I, one in five, yes, that, that is a. I, I think that is an actual cause for concern, especially if Brooklyn, if their point differential is minus nine. Like San Antonio has a negative point differential. Utah, you know, you could argue has maybe not had the hardest schedule in the world. Um, 
you know, with I mean, games, they did the just the Rockets. They did beat Memphis though, and like by one point, it was a game. <laughs> it was a game for the ages, man. It was an awesome game to watch. Lori Marketing, though, we talk about how he was literally dog shit in Chicago. Yes. And has since been traded twice and both times has like relatively flourished. I don't think he's it's like it's one of those things where um was he just not given he, the chance in Chicago? I don't think it, it, I don't think he necessarily had the system. Yeah. It, like he never had like Lori Markinen needs to play with a five that can space the floor for him. And I just don't think he really ever got it. It might chance. also just be like another one of those situations where like he had pressure on him and he was expected yeah, like, to perform. Well, because it, it, especially because like him and um, the guy that Chicago traded to the Magic for Vujovic, Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, they never they, they really never played well together. Yeah. Well, they were trying to do this the Turbonus thing with you know Wendell and uh, Markin in here as the second half's about to start. We were planning on uh, maybe cutting this short, but I'm actually having way too much fun. And honestly, the Pacers might still win this fucking game. So, um, Andy, uh, you dipped out there for a little bit. We've kind of covered quite a bit here. I know your Clippers are in a weird spot right now. I'm worried. I'm honestly worried. I'm a little worried. I starting yeah. to get worried. Two and four, I don't know, man. It's it, it's always tough. It's when... not it's not the fact that we're two and four. It's like just we're leading the league in turnovers. Um, we're very much down on three point shooting, which is like our whole identity. Um, and uh, I like honestly, it's just the whole uh, whole Kawhi thing for me. Like we, I thought he was healthy coming into the season, and obviously he's not healthy, and that scares me. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I really like Kawhi still. I, I just I can't in good conscience like talk bad about Kyrie Irving or not Kyrie Irving, uh, Kawhi Leonard just because like, I you know um, here's yeah, my I mean, th- he's obviously very good um, but it's just he's got to be on the court and the this team is has some newcomers um the like sixth man Kawhi thing isn't working which i find funny i mean i i think he's just not healthy that's the whole thing um yeah it's just it's honestly a little crazy but nine like, point favorites tonight <laughs> nine um, point favorites against houston tonight which i mean if they if they lose against houston um there's there's some issues uh no no robert covington or john wall however yeah, which um, John Wall is like actually looked good, so that's yeah, I, uh, I, that's pretty that's pretty good for us. Um, uh, Zubach has looked really good. Um, Powell's getting better. Uh, is PG just like nineteen eight and eight every game? Yeah, I mean, if we get Kawhi back, that's that's good. That's uh, that's all we need for him. Uh, yeah, we just need to stop turning the ball over is like our main thing, which um it's every NBA Col- team. Every NBA team says that. Uh yeah, but we're leading the league. It's a like it's uh it's a little crazy. We we need Kawhi back, we need John Wall to be healthy. If everything comes together, we'll be good. But I just I'm starting to get a little worried that it might not come together. 
I wonder if there's not another like little move that needs to be made. Like, don't get me wrong, I like the way Zubat's been playing, but like a player like Gogo Matadze being like that enforcer type for your bench kind of makes a lot of sense. Or um, well, we definitely need a need another center on the roster, I think. I think having Zubats be our only our only actual center is and, and that's is why an that, that's why I still wonder if like there's not like a Goga and a second, you know, for Amir Coffee or something, like kind of deal in the works there. Goga just will never play for the Pacers because they have four centers. If you include Jalen Smith, um, they have Miles Turner, obviously, until he's inevitably sent to the Lakers. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some moves to be made. The season is still very young. Um, there's plenty of guys who, you know, can't be traded until December 15th or whatever. So, um It'll be interesting to see. And I just hope – I hope we don't, like – they don't make any panic moves right now. Um, I I am starting to worry a little bit, but I I want to give it till, till probably that December 15th timeline. Like, if Kawhi's not back by then, then, then there's some serious issues that need to be – we can make some moves then. But yeah, right I now, think, just keep I think... getting – I think the only player I'd be super interested in on your roster would be, like, Amir Coffey. Like, I watched him play at Minnesota. He was solid. Um, But you've lost four in a row. I mean, there's some some of our veterans that, like, we have infinite depth, which means we can can get rid of some people. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And and again, you know, you're you're a team whose entire goal is, like, figure out your best eight, and we should just be deeper than everybody in the playoffs. Um, you know, similar to like the Boston Celtics, where it's like, okay, if Malcolm Brogdon's our eighth best player, like we're probably just fucking better than everybody else. Um, for you guys, it's like, okay, if you know Brandon Boston's our eighth best player or ninth best player, like we're still probably just better than you. Um, I don't even know if he's that high, but yeah, I mean, no, it. it Paul George also shooting less than 40% from the field isn't going to happen the rest of the year. Like, he's just looked off from the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, and, I, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it's, like, getting him to gel with everybody. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I like I like the way that the roster's constructed. I think Terrence Mann needs to get more minutes, honestly. I think from he's... Florida, Terrence Mann, it's a... Uh, He's only at 16 minutes this year, which is well. And again, I think it's they're trying to figure out everybody and everything all at once. And history tells you that it doesn't usually work the way you want it to. Um, but yeah, he because yeah, Terrence Mann went from the 27 last year. Bubble season was almost 20, and then last year was 28.6, and then down to 16 is. Kind of, kind of insane. He should be definitely higher than that. He he was he's good. Yeah, I was uh, like Terrence Mann. I mean, I guess part of that is Norm Powell taking minutes away. Um, I but. I still I don't I don't know if I like Norman Powell with this team, but again, they're they're built similarly to like Toronto, where it's like if we can just switch every every spot on the court, then you're not beating us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Norm Powell's looked uh when when he's looked good, he's looked good. Uh he's Another interesting thought is I keep seeing people saying they should trade for John Collins. Hmm. And to me, like that doesn't that doesn't make a ton of sense because like one of the things that I think you're gonna rely you're gonna need a lot more from your bigs in the West, especially is defense come playoff time and John Collins isn't the greatest defender. Um, yeah. Um yeah, I don't think he would be I mean he yeah, he'd be a good fit on offense, but definitely not on on defense but i mean if you throw out a lineup with like Kawhi, pg john wall uh robert covington and collins like that's three really good defenders on the court yeah i don't hate that i don't hate that at all um some other players like the price tag is a little high um but i've thought about kind of maybe a secondary ball handler toward John Wall's like the sixth man would be cool. So you could have uh, like Mike Conley that I don't love the number there, but like Mike Conley shooting almost 50, 40, 90 this year with six assists a game or five assists a game. Uh, You know, if he gave you like 12, 12 and five every game, like you're fine paying $22 million to that guy, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's what we need. Um, I would definitely, I think, rather, rather try to upgrade the center position. Um, uh, not know, even, not even upgrade. Like, like I like Zubac is good. If we just got like a, um, a better defensive center, um, to do some like offense defense with our center rotation. Yeah, and I think that's fun. where Gogo could come in. He's reading the game really well this year. Uh, he just doesn't, he doesn't get minutes in Indiana. Um. In the only two games he's played, he's averaged, like, I think he had 18 in one of them, 18 and 12 in one of them, and, like, seven points, three rebounds, and, like, nine minutes. Like, he's he's a good player, um, and he would fit, I think, that mold really well what you're looking for as the Zubat stack up. This game has pivoted back to Brooklyn, kind of this run-and-gun offense. Um Joe Harris has like seven steals, it seems like, in this game. And Miles Turner is missing his free throws, which is absolutely crazy. He's not missed a lot of free throws this year. So um I don't know. I don't I don't think this is sustainable for the Nets, though. Like Joe Harris is not going to give this much defensive effort the whole game. Yeah. Um no, the, the for the Nets to be I mean, the only reason they're they've even won any games this year uh is Kyrie and Kevin both look amazing. Well, Kevin looks amazing. Kyrie looks good. Um, I mean, I think Kyrie looks like his 2018 self in most of these games. Yeah, he's. I mean, these last few games definitely. Uh, he's he's looking. Their their two stars are looking good, which honestly should be good enough to get them in the play in at least, if not the playoffs. But if they if they want to be anything more than that, the Simmons needs to figure his shit out. I mean, like I said, you know, if Simmons can give you zero, 10, and 10 every game, then, like, that is a win to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I prefer zero, 20, and 20, but, like, that's not super realistic. But zero, 10, and 10 for a guy like Ben Simmons where you're six eleven and literally can handle the ball better than a lot of point guards in this league shouldn't he's, be that hard. He's just so, like, afraid. He doesn't. He's see, see to me, and like that's my thing. If you literally sat him down and said, "Hey, I we do not need you to score a single fucking point all year," 
We just need you to go defend the best player on the court and pass the ball and grab rebounds. But that's like like part of that what problem. Do you guys think, what do you guys think his, his, his like to end the season? What do you think his season average his his line is going to be? Uh, probably eight. close to ten points. Ten points, nine rebounds, and like eight to nine assists. I would say under ten points for sure. Like I think, I think it'll take. I think, I think he'll step up his offense. I, you know, the he dude is a, like scared to shoot. Like there was that play the other day where he like, like he was he was ahead on a fast break and like passed it up because he just didn't want to go for it. Like. And he, he airballed that layup too. Yeah, there's like that. The, I, he has a serious mental block. Yeah, I I don't know. Miles Turner talked a little bit about that on the Woj Pod today too, and he just said like it takes a hot second to get like reacclimated to NBA speed, and he's like no matter how much you try to like imitate it and practice, it's not the same thing. And so yeah. I wonder if that's part of it. If it's Simmons is not in NBA shape yet just because he's played four games out of six in two years. Like that's kind of my wondering here. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of my thing with Kawhi too. Like I think Kawhi like probably came back a little too soon. I would have waited till closer to Christmas time. Like here's a little Christmas present robot Kawhi. God damn. This is awesome watching Miles Turner just get fucking balled by Nicholas Claxton every play. This, would, <laughs> this is like, this is why Miles Turner is not actually a serviceable center of the NBA. Yeah, uh, there's maybe, maybe like, a reason he's, that he's really bad him. against super physical centers. He'd be amazing out west, but like when you have to play against Claxton, you have to play against Embiid like all the fucking time. It's horrible. Ah, Goga's coming in. Let's go. Oh, one of my favorite players on the Pacers roster, Gogo Batase. Uh, which one was Gogo Batase? Number 88, Gogo Batase. Uh, famous for threatening to murder uh, an assistant coach against the Kings when they lost in overtime. Also, uh, very famous for getting a uh, fight with Cork Maz during Euroball this offseason. <laughs> He looks like a big, scary dude. I would not mess with him. No, he's so he grew up homeless uh, in the country, Georgia. And this was like during their civil war. Yeah. And so he was making money gambling and playing in professional basketball games starting at age 13 so he could feed himself. Jesus. It's like if there is a player like I used to think this way about David West. Like if there's a player in the NBA, I would not want to fight. It's Gogo Bataze. Yeah. He's like the new David West for me. Because, like, David West has fucking killed a man in a boxing match. Has he really? Jesus. Yes. Uh, but, like, Goga has, like, a whole mysterious vibe to him, uh, which I think is hilarious. Like, he's very uh, – I've met him a few times. He's very posh acting sometimes uh, but like he thinks he's Kobe Bryant because he's like the only player ever from Georgia to come here but like they just said Isaiah Jackson's out for the game gross I think the Pacers have probably lost this one it's a damn shame too 
want to go back to the Raptors for a second. How can a fucking team with six foot, six foot negative five Fred Van Bleet and then a bunch of six nine dudes with long arms win? I don't get it. They're pretty good at basketball. Uh, let's pull up that game. Let's pull up the stats. See what's going on. Like I, I'm sitting here and I'm like Pascal Siakam's like six nine, two fifteen, two twenty. You know, maybe even a little bigger than that. Scotty Bourne, 6'9", 205. Like, it's literally like Fred Van Vliet, who I'm pretty sure is like 5'4", and then a bunch of 6'9 guys running around. And that shit's funny to me. Um, yeah, they got Pascal Siakam, like, playing, like, is he playing point? Because they got... I mean, point Siakam makes a lot of sense. Like, the, the lineup that's on the floor... With uh, Gary Trent Jr. and like Scotty Barnes, with Siakam is awesome. Like two centers basically, because Boucher is really a center. Birch is really a center, and they're all like Gary Trent Jr. is the shortest guy, and he's six five two ten. Yeah, like Gary Trent Jr. or Scotty Barnes six seven two twenty five. Siakam six eight two thirty. Like everybody is just. Tall with a long wingspan. They're all six five to six nine, and they're shit canning Atlanta right now with this lineup out there. Like that's the part to me that's entertaining because like the Hawks are trying to counter with like Justin Holiday, who's a serviceable vet. Trey Young, who's you know five nine, five ten, but shoot the lights out. John Collins, who isn't like huge by any stretch. Like it's really funny to me. Um to say the least. And Scotty Barnes is putting up some numbers. Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Uh, I have one of Scotty Barnes jerseys at home, and it's, it's ugh. I, I love it. I love having it. Uh, yeah, he's doing he's doing some work. He's he's really good. Uh, I, I I thought they reached a little bit, but he you know that's one of those organizations where I don't think it matters who they draft, they can make them work in the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they just, you know, because they took OG Ananobi, who I think a lot of Pacers fans wanted because he went to IU, but like he wasn't supposed to be higher than like an early second round pick. And they turned him into, you know, 15, 7, and 7 every game. You yeah, know, I mean, they, yeah, the Raptors are all like homegrown dudes and they're all, they play really well together. They have a good organization there. So, real quick, speaking of homegrown talent, there's a really interesting article today in The Athletic. I'm not sure if any of you two got the chance to see it about the projected circus that Bronny James, like, recruiting and potential first year on an on a college campus is going to be like. Um, is it going to be crazier than Kobe in high school? Because like, what do you shit. think? What do you think is going to be the end? The end line situation there because they they were talking about a few schools, whether that be one of the LA schools or Oregon or Kentucky or Duke. What do you think is his best bet? Because I I think he he is not he is definitely more than one year away from the NBA. And I, I, I just don't know if, like, if that's better suited to him being in the G League for a couple of years. 
but I don't think that they're really going to want to do that. I think his best bet is to just find the best college to NCAA coach he can find, be there, be at a college for two or three years and really start to like kind of hope he grows like two or three inches more and figure out exactly what part of his game. Like if it wasn't an Adidas school, I say Indiana would be a really good fit for him just because, uh, you know, because of the coaching staff there. But, you know, I, it, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, I, what, what do you guys think that the, his, his best course of action here is? I think Arizona is his best fit. Um, just like Arizona's a good call. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, or even like you said, Oregon earlier, Oregon would be fine, but I think Arizona is definitely where I would go. Um, I just look at like the players that they've developed, or Florida State, even like, yeah, Florida State would be a good one too. I just think like he's gonna have too much, too many eyes on him at North Carolina or Duke. Uh, Oregon, like, do you really want to be like followed around by Bill Walton the rest of your life? Because that's what would happen there. And I know, Cam, you're the biggest Bill Walton fan of all time, but, uh, you know, I don't know if that's really the the route you want to go there. Um, you know, there, there are other schools. I guess see, like, maybe like a, uh, a school where maybe you're not guaranteed to make the tournament, like Texas Tech, Texas A&M, something like that, where, like, or Auburn, like we've had a lot of quality NBA players, but it takes two years. Like, I think you want him in college two years, unless you can literally find the one-year flip college coach. And I don't think it's Duke right now. I, you know what? You you brought up Florida State, and I really like that idea. Yeah, I mean, I just think what like, they do with Scotty Barnes, like yeah, like Leonard Hamilton, I think would be very good for him. Oh, he's flexing his wrist. That's not a good sign. Don't love Ben Mather and flexing his wrist like that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think that'd be my pick. If I was, if I was him, obviously I'm not, but Florida State would be my go, go to, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I, I think like, because like be he'll eyes. still be, he'll still be on TV. Like people there's gonna will be still eyes. Talk. Yeah, there's going to be eyes on him no matter where he goes. I was just thinking, like, there's so many schools that are, like, not NBA schools, right? Like, I think of Wisconsin. Like, they've had a lot of good players. But, like, is their best player Frank Kaminsky? Probably. And, like, Frank Kaminsky's a dog shit NBA player. Like, yeah. that is not a school where you're going to develop a game for the NBA. Kentucky, too many eyes, too many issues arise with that one-and-done style there with, like, Calipari. And probably not enough playing time. Absolutely. I, because yeah. that's the other thing is like to even get him, you're probably he's probably he's gonna have to come in and start as a, as like a combo guard. And you know, here's you know, another he, one I was thinking about. What about Iowa State? Like thinking about some of those like middle tier Big Twelve schools. I was looking at this and it's like. You know, Iowa State has had some really good NBA players come out. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton right now being their biggest one. But even like Georges Niang uh, came from Iowa State. And they have uh, some openings coming up. Like, you know, Brockington should be leaving after this year. Uh, Travis, uh, Tyrese Hunter. 
like will probably leave after this year. I think that's another option where, you know, you get your immediate playing time. You have, you know, a precedent there with NBA talent uh, before. And I think that that makes a ton of sense, but I, you know, I'm looking at like some of these like middle tier ACC schools, you know, your Florida state, um, you know, if you wanted to go Pittsburgh, like, Maybe, but to me, there's there there's really like a ton of great options. I think I, I I'm just like going through past NBA drafts and seeing who went where. I think Villanova could be a good one. I I like I think the lot like all the people I can think of that have like come out of Villanova recently are like they're like see and good, my issue is because they they don't have the same coach. I think they're, you know, with their coach stepping down and retiring. Oh, did he retire? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, he retired. I, You know, that's kind of where I'm like, you know, it's maybe not Villanova. Maybe there's, you know, other opportunities in the Big East, like a UConn. Um, but, but ultimately, like, he just can't go to, like, any of the big four. He can't go to, like, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, or – uh, Kentucky, and I think he'll be fine. Like I, I just think he'll be a very passable college basketball player. Yeah. Okay. I rescind Villanova because I, I did not realize Jay Wright retired. Yeah. Uh, that 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 I think is like kind of killed anybody going to Villanova for a while. Michigan State would be. Michigan State would also be one where I'm like, kind of. Uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of Tom Izzo, so. Oh, Cam's not a fan of Tom Izzo either, but you can't argue with his results. He's turned a lot of NBA talent around. Yeah, I just my the searing memory of Tom Izzo is, is I can't remember what year it was, but there was a a game in the NCAA tournament where Syracuse uh, faced Michigan State, and he just like refused to make any adjustments throughout the game. And I think it was, yeah, I think it was Jaron Jackson. Like he just like kept on the bench most of the game and just like never put him in. And it was, well, it was, it was, you know, rough. that's Jared Jackson had some rough years in college, you know, him and Tom or you know, rough years during his like last high school years and college years, because to play at La Lumiere prep school in Laporte, you know, it's one of the premier basketball, you know, it's like, it's similar to like your IMG Academy, except it's a fucking Catholic boarding school. Like, and then to go from La Lumiere to Michigan State, which is, you know, 80 miles from where you're at. I think it's really tough to make that transition. And, you know, having played against Gary Harris before he went to Michigan State, like, there are levels to that kind of shit. Uh, and I think that that is a huge, huge difference going from, like, public high school to Michigan State versus – a hundred people in a private Catholic boarding school, you know? Yeah. So he didn't adjust to that very well. He was one of those players where like, if the NBA, like the one, one, like your graduate high school, you can go to the NBA. If that was still a rule, he probably could have done that. I think he would have benefited more. Uh, Cause I think he actually took a small step back and took a small step back in college. Obviously, you know, he's still fantastic, but I think he definitely took a, Minor step back there. We just uh, uh, we just got word that 
Kawhi will not be joining the Clippers on their upcoming road trip. So you must have some. I wonder if they're not going to do some some fucking Lonzo Ball shit there too, man. So you know, they've been they've been finding out a lot of these uh, surgeons have been botching surgeries lately. Um, Is that what happened with Lonzo? Uh, Cam might be able to correct me on this, but I am ninety percent sure that Lonzo had like a fragment left in his knee. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. He, it's, it's really weird. It's like what his. I, I don't think anybody necessarily knows exactly what his injury is. Um, it, it's his knee, and it's like, yeah, they had to do like a exploratory uh, procedure, you know, at the beginning of the year. That's why he's just, you know, we're kind of out indefinitely, and. Yeah, it's just a matter of like, hey, do we think we get, you know, what kind of minutes can we get out of Kobe White? What kind of minutes can we get out of uh, Ao Desumo? That's why they signed Goran Dragic. So, you know, we'll see what it is. But yeah, there, there is definitely, definitely a lot of cause for concern with uh, with Lonzo's knee. Yeah, yeah I mean, so- oh, go ahead. No, yeah, so that means Kawhi's obviously not playing tonight against Houston, and then they have a two-game trip to Houston and San Antonio that he won't play in. So he's going to miss the next three games, and the earliest he can be back is Sunday against the Jazz. So, Yeah, and, you know, I wonder if they're, like, trying to avoid him playing against, like, super physical teams too. Yeah, I just like Houston's one of those like pesky physical teams, even though they're not very good. They do play very physical and they kind of body people. Yeah. And, um, I'm also just like getting flashbacks from that year in San Antonio where he just like we just like didn't know what the fuck that was going on the whole time. So um apparently Ty Lu's quoted as saying Leonard is frustrated and not where he wants to be, but he is getting better. Okay, that's a uh, that's positive at least. Dude, watching uh, Royce O'Neal bring the ball up against Chris Duarte, who was Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year, is fucking hilarious to me. Like Chris Duarte is, you know, he's 25, uh, which is a lot is the reason why a lot of Pacers fans didn't love the pick. But the dude at 6'6 is one of the best defenders on the team. Like, he, he's actually just a better defender than Miles Turner. He just doesn't get the block shots. Like, um, I, I, I don't quite get the, the hatred towards him uh, other than the fact he's old as fuck. Uh, Kim, I, I want to I ask you, how are you feeling with the Bulls uh, overall for the rest of the year? Iota Sumo looks like he is, what? their fourth best player right now and Patrick Williams is an ascending star. How 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 are you how are you feeling about the rest of the year? Um it, it's you know what this it could very well kind of turn into a developmental year again. Um I, I I do think that um, uh, this is a great. <laughs> I love I love the Brooklyn fans who are sitting in the front row wearing fight anti-Semitism shirts. Yeah, like, that it. is awesome. I I only wish they could have been on the Nets 
bench side. I, I wish they, I wish they were say I wish they said like fuck or like fight anti-Semitism and like on the backs of like fuck Kyrie Irving or something. Like I think that'd be awesome. Um but no just with the Bulls, I, I think there is you know that there is still some optimism to be had. Um I, I do think that they are a playoff team, you know, with or without Lonzo. Obviously, I, I think their ceiling is capped. I, I see. I um, without him, team. but if like, okay, if he is hurt, then you get like it. it I, it's one of those things where it's like, if it's like January or February, and we're like couple games above 500 and he's just not coming back this year, then I think it's just, it's one of those times where it's like, all right, let's see what we can get for Vucevic on an expiring deal. And let's, you know, play Kobe white. We can make a decision on, on him. We, you know, give the minutes to a Iota Sumo. We play Patrick Williams, 38, 40 a game. And we see what we got because it's like, you don't know, you don't quite know how much longer DeRozan is going to be able to do it. And I, and I know people have been doubting him since he got to Chicago. It looks like he could still have a really, really another great year with Levine. It's just a matter of like just Levine and just DeRozan, I don't think is good enough to really do anything in the Eastern conference this year. Um, and if Lonzo isn't back and, you know, depending on, you know, if a contender needs somebody like Vucevic, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed or surprised if they pulled, you know, if they pulled the trigger. So it's like, it's, it's really just one of the things it's like, hopefully Lonzo comes back sooner rather than later, but I'm not holding my breath. And then, okay, hopefully Patrick Williams continues to develop. Hopefully I would continues to develop. And now you may have something where, okay, you have that money freed up. Let's see if we can go get a five and maybe come back. Would you trade Vucevic in a first for Sabonis? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the Bulls can afford to trade anymore, can really afford to trade some firsts at the moment. I think you kind of have to see what where... Like, what about two seconds? Oh yeah, for sure. It's just one of those things. Like I, I'd be hesitant to trade. Um, I I would just Fuck, be hesitant to let's trade go Duarte. Part. What the hell was that? And yes, the 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 Magic do have the Bulls' twenty twenty three pick. Did you just see that Chris Duarte shot? Holy shit! Seven, still a seven point game. I, yeah, and the Pacers really did not play a great quarter. Look at this Chris Duarte shot, though. I mean, pulls up from damn near half court. Pretty well defended. Trained it. Uh, they call him the Dominican Clay. I don't know if I agree with that. Clay Thompson <laughs> was so good. He did drop 62 points against the Pacers, I think dribbling four times or something stupid. So uh, I have that permanently embossed in my memory. I'm just at this point, I'm wondering what the Bulls' options are. You know, I think that they are really close, I, honestly. I think that they're a team that is, like, on the fringes, so to speak. I Yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking – we talked about this all last year. It was like, 
it felt like they were just some one something away. And I hate that I don't know what it is because, like, I'm really I I really like trying to figure teams out. I'm always like I, I want to know um, what what it is that like you're missing, and I just don't know what it is with the Bulls. Uh, real quick, I want to touch on this. Who would you guys say is the most improved player in the NBA right now? My vote is Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, he's just he's taken another massive. What step. a surprise! <laughs> uh, he's taking another massive step, but like you could, you could like be like, okay, it's because I'm a homer, but also like if you look at everything he's done, it's really hard to argue with it, at least in my opinion. I mean, SGA is averaging 31 a game right now. He's another good one. I like, I like what SGA has been doing. I think like De'Aaron Fox. Could be like he could he could maybe take a step. Like there's some people out there right now that how, how is De'Aaron Fox been playing? I know Sabonis has really been like De'Aaron Fox of, averaging like 28. And um Sabonis has really been struggling. Shooting 55% from the field, 40% from three, averaging five and a half assists. That's pretty good. Pretty good. You know, I, I I really wish the Kings were good this year, man. I really hate the fact that, like, they just get – they're, like – they really are, like, the New York Jets of the NBA, except they haven't had a butt fumble, like, on the court yet. <laughs> uh, I mean, part of the reason San Antonio is doing so well is Keldon Johnson looks really good. Yep. Isaiah Kel- has a 48-player uh, efficiency rating so far. Has he played one game, right? Five. But th- oh, five games, he's averaging 3.2. I don't know how he's got a 48-player efficiency. Uh, probably just really good plus-minus, honestly. Damn, James Johnson. Yeah, Kel- yeah. Keldon, Keldon Johnson's averaging 23 points a game, four assists, five yeah. rebounds. But That's he's shooting, where he's shooting 43% from three on 8.9 attempts a game. So the Pacers, when they played the Spurs, they they uh, they the entire second half, the only player they would let shoot was Jakob Pertl, and they play, basically played hack a Jakob Pertl the entire second half. Um, it was really funny to watch because they were down like twenty five at the half, and that was because they were getting murdered by Keldon Johnson, and then they realized Jakob Pertl can't hit free throws, and so for like the last twenty minutes of the game, anytime Jakob Pertl stepped over half court. Somebody would foul him, and that's part of that's part of the reason why I love Rick Carlisle is because he's he is willing to do stupid shit like that to win games, even though the team is trying to tank. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, know his Pacers are coming back. Yeah, you know this this game has been weird. Uh, Brooklyn's really controlled it the whole time, but like for whatever reason. This like odd second lineup with Duarte and Matherin out there has been like pretty killer. Dude, oh, man, TJ McConnell's been really bad this year. Oof. Come on, Benny, you got you're better than that. I hope I didn't have too much of an echo there. I just no, you're good to realize it was getting kind of loud on my end. Woo. 
Steve Nash, Steve Nash literally looks like an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, he does. Like he looks like there's a there's a kid in one of my sports journalism classes, and he looks just like him. Uh, not out there right now, so they gotta Pacers gotta try to get some points up while Katie's on the bench. Yeah, the issue is like they have TJ McConnell in, and he is a net zero on offense right now. He has been horrible on offense this year. Oh, uh, it, his three isn't falling, which it never has. But he, even his little mid range floater, uh, just is not going in at all. God damn, Buddy Heald is going to save this game for the Pacers, though. Um, last thing I want to talk about before uh, we really get into it, did you guys see the article about the NBA wanting to implement a salary ceiling, so to speak? Uh, basically, like, play, or teams cannot spend more than a certain amount. Yeah, like uh, a, hard, a hard cap, yeah. They, yeah, they want, they want to go full hard cap. How much do you think that changes the landscape of the NBA? Well, I mean, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it'll happen. But if it did, it would obviously change it like completely. I, I just wonder what it would be because, like, they have a salary floor, and I don't think you can have a hard cap and a salary floor. I think that that is counterintuitive to me. I think you have to have one or the other. You cannot force owners to spend money that they don't want to spend. Like, I get it. We kind of have this problem in baseball, but there's no hard cap in baseball where there is no salary floor and there is no sal- like salary, like full salary cap. So, like, you have the Pirates who spend $11 on their players, like $11 and then a couple $50 gift cards from Chipotle. And then you have, like, the Dodgers and Yankees who are spending, like, a billion stock shares of Tesla on their rosters. And like, there's no in between in baseball. Whereas like, I feel like having requiring owners to send a certain amount of money, is just going to force teams to be like overpay players when they don't have to. We'll have the 26 summer of 2016 free agency all over again where I'm pretty sure the Orlando Magic gave, like, Terrence Ross $50 million over three years. Like, and no one wants to see fucking Terrence Ross play on a $50 million contract. Yeah, it's it's a little, like, interesting because the NBA's got to deal with, like, they they have to try to prevent the tanking, but then they have to try to combat, you know, the teams like the Warriors just being like, all right, well, our owners are – have infinite money so we can you know the tax doesn't mean anything um mm-hmm. so it's well, kind of what's like, the what's the warriors like isn't it the warriors and clippers who have the highest tax bills in the nba right now i i think the, the warriors like all together is like 450 million dollars or something like that yeah the, the warriors are the most this year's warriors are the most expensive team in nba history it, you would you would have to just be like okay it, because i i don't think you're necessarily going to find a number that's just going to work for. If they said, if they said right now, I I don't think they're going to have a number that 22 owners are going to sign off, sign off on. Is it 22? For whatever reason. Probably. Yeah. I I think I had 21 in my mind. Um, I I don't know. I think that there is. Cause, cause ultimately the players have to agree to it too. That is another big aspect of this. 
is that there the the players need to see that yeah, there is a why would the players ever agree? Now here's the thing. I, I do think a lockout is coming in the NBA when their oh, bargaining agreement yeah. is up. And yeah. I, I do think it could be a bad lockout. Like Wor- uh, worse, worse than the MLB this year? Yes. I mean, what the MLB had now they had games rescheduled, but they canceled what six six games or something like that. No, I think they just they just canceled preseason, right? They fit in no, well, they, they didn't they didn't have a spring training. Or they you're right. They like they, they like had pushed a short it spring they training. Like pushed it up. They were they, like, they, but they they, they had one sixty two. I thought they did well. Yeah, because they made up for it at the back end of the season. Yeah, um, a bunch of doubleheaders. So yeah, it's like yeah, they, like the MLB canceled like six games or nine games or something like that i i could see i think this would i think the upcoming lockout is going to be worse than the last lockout for the nba like i well what was I, the last I lockout shortened season six it was 52 i think 52 games i i i think that's going to be like the ceiling for whatever the nba figures out because um I, I, I do think there's there are some the owners have some very major and I'm surprised that I'm even saying this um, justified grievances with the NBA Players Association as we look and see the Pacers have made this a two point game Zach they have uh, James Johnson with a fast break fast breakdown why is James Johnson still in the game like I I don't get it um, anyway. I will say this with the NBA Players Association, they have done a really good job of trying to figure out ways to make their owners money still while also limiting the amount of games players play, which I think is very fascinating. I really want the NBA to go to a like 66 game schedule. You play everybody in your opposite conference twice, home and home, and you play everybody in your own conference three times. You alternate. Who gets the extra home game? And the reason why is because I am so fucking tired of watching players play 55 games out of 82 because they get hurt. And I think that's part of the problem. I so Joe, let's fucking go. What the hell? <laughs> Turn back the clock a little bit here. Uh, but yeah, I, I think a 66 game schedule and then you make you make every game matter more is the way that they need to go. Yeah. Um, and, like, I honestly – they're trying to do something with, like, the with – an, with an in-season tournament. So they're still trying oh, to push that. please, fuck no. Yeah. Don't know how that's going to end up. Um, yeah, it would I mean, just have to be, like, a million-dollar per player roster bonus or something like that. What, what do you guys think about – so my, my thought process is if they do the salary, like hard cap, is this is the opportunity to also let like G League players make a little bit of extra money too, is you basically hard cap G League through your current roster instead of just your 15 or 17 or whatever you end up hard capping it. I think it's 17 right now. So like you, to, you can spend money on the G League team is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So like if you want to spend extra money on like developmental guys, you can do that as well. So like for example, the Pacers picked up last year's G League 
uh, MVP it, because he was cut by his team. They signed him to a two-way deal, which is $560,000 against the cap. And my thought process is if I'm going to have a hard cap and I want the opportunity to develop guys, I also want to pay for developmental players. So I want Tevin Brown. I want these, you know, fringe college guys like Drew Smith who came out of uh, Missouri used to play at university of Evansville. Like I want those guys on my roster more so than I want to worry about paying my main team, so to speak. Uh I think having a supplemental thing like that or by their proponent is you combine the NBA PA and the WNBA PA and you make owners shell out money for WNBA teams, but that'll never fucking happen. Um, Cause the, the WNBA had their first profitable season last year. So. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a rough go, um, but they did Huge actually play there from Claxton. Yeah, this game is neck and neck for no reason. Brooklyn should be up 30. Um, as good as Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Claxton have been tonight, there is no reason that the Pacers are back in this other than Chris Duarte is actually playing well. And for whatever reason, ISO Joe is 24 again. Oh, I thought that was going in. God, I didn't even realize he's on the – Joe Johnson's on the Pacers. Holy crap. James I, might, I might buy a Joe Johnson jersey if he stays the whole year. I might do it. Yeah, Duarte's got 30. I have a feeling Brooklyn is going to start to reel this back in, though, right here. Uh, yeah, but see, here's the deal with Rick Carlisle is anytime a team goes on a run, if it's 4-0 or more, he calls a timeout. Like, and that is my favorite thing about Rick Carlisle. It, uh, he did this in the preseason because I was working the first preseason home game against the Knicks. Um and the next one on a 5-0 run because uh, there was like two – there was a three hit and then two free throws, and he called a timeout to scream at his players. <laughs> and it's just like, Rick, Rick, dude, you're down 13. Uh, and then they ended up coming back to win that game. So I guess, like, Rick was right. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny to me, like, you know, this was a year the Pacers were supposed to tank, and yet they draft a guy who – steals the ball at the end of a Bulls game when they're down 15 just to dunk on his old college teammate, you know, like. Oh, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) You know, and and Cam, obviously, you know, Vucevic and uh, Matherin kind of got into it at the end of that game. But I I think that, like, having that that player with that drive, that competitiveness is something the Pacers just haven't had. Like, there's a lot of players on this team that are a lot of talk or used to be a lot of talk. Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I think Sabonis was one of the ones who was like hundred percent go all the time, but he's also a center. So he just doesn't have the energy to keep that up. But to finally have a player like Benedict Matherin, where it's like, he is hundred percent go all the time and he's going to make the opposing team's life literally hell during the course of the game uh, is huge. Uh, just a massive, massive difference. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, you guys, the Pacers, I think, have a bright future. Uh, See, and um, it's funny. Is, uh, every poll says the Pacers like are a bottom five future team. And it's like, you clearly have never watched a fucking Pacers game. Because like, they have... 
Jalen Smith, who has been a godsend for them. They obviously have Hallow Burton, who is on his way to being a top 20 NBA player. And then they also just picked up the 14th player in that draft in a trade for Malcolm Brogdon. And he's back to hitting threes and playing defense. He's not playing tonight because his, uh, like, bruised his patella or whatever. Um, but, like, I just I, – I, I, it makes me laugh where it's like people just don't pay attention to small market teams. Like, people think Minnesota has a better future than Indiana when D'Angelo Russell's dog shit. Carl Anthony Towns has won three playoff games in his entire career. And they just sent their entire future away to go get Rudy Gobert. Gobert. God, that's going to be the worst trade of all time. Holy shit. It's worse than, <laughs> it's worse than the Paul Pierce deal. Like, and think about what that did to Brooklyn. Like, it took Brooklyn, what, six years to get back to the playoffs? Like, Yeah, that was <laughs> it was rough uh, for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean the Pacers like, and and the Pacers' future is going to get even. I think I think better once they eventually are able to trade Turner for hopefully something. And um, yeah, I don't know what that something is. Twenty two turnovers, it's crazy. I mean, a lot of turnovers, like twenty two. You say that, but nineteen for the Nets, like that's these are not insignificant. I I think that maybe speaks to why the game is so close. I just I I. I I don't know what you could actually realistically get for Turner. Like, I don't know if it's like, you know, you send them to Portland for like use of Nurkic and stuff. Like, if you say like upgrade your center, like and get younger and, you know, have somebody who can actually stretch the floor and not like fake stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. But like, realistically, I don't know like what assets are truly out there when, you know, the Pacers are trying to hold out for unprotected picks. Like that's yeah. not going to happen for Miles Turner. Like unprotected picks are so valuable. Like you don't you don't think they could get a first round pick for a Turner? It, I, straight up, no. I like like because okay, think about the players you'd have to send out in like the similar salary range or. You know, if you have a really shitty salary, you can send the Pacers, but then you have to send more assets than just that first. Yeah, uh-huh. because like you know, that's been the whole that's been the whole hang up here. Like they want to get off Westbrook's contract for the Pacers to bring back Westbrook's contract. You have to give them a first round pick, and there's and I agree with everybody who says like the Pacers should hold out for that because. No one fucking wants Russell Westbrook. Like, even if he's coming off the bench and giving you 10, 5, and 5 a game, he's still a liability on your roster come playoff time. Oh, yeah. I, I, what did, like, uh, Miles Turner say about, like, potentially being traded there? He said he, he's talked about how he would enjoy having eyes on him at all times. Uh, talked a little bit about how – uh, he thinks that like he gets overlooked in Indiana because nobody watches them play or whatever. And it, well, you should tell Miles Turner that we dedicated an entire podcast episode just to <laughs> talk about college football video games from 2007 while watching this while watching this game. Yeah. He's kind of doing what Victor Oladipo did. Like, Victor Oladipo forced his way to Miami. And I'm not saying, like, 
Turner's forcing his way to the Lakers or Dallas, which I think is where he really wants to play. But it doesn't feel like he really wants to be here as much as he might say he does. No, that, I think that's 100% the case. And I, you know what? I, I think that's fine to an extent because I, I think this has been coming for a while, really. Like, I, I, I don't know if anybody can necessarily be surprised that this is just kind of where we're at because I, I want to say that, like, if the – it may be one of those things where I, I think you're right, the Pacers' asking price may be – just way out of line with what like his market value is at the moment, because I I do feel like he'd be gone by now. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, there was that Boston deal with Gordon Hayward that got Harry because, you know, they were going to send miles Turner, Doug McDermott and a first to Boston for Gordon Hayward. And that first round pick would have turned into Chris Duarte. Okay, so that's interesting. That didn't happen because apparently, you know, Kevin Pritchard and uh, uh, Danny Ainge have like some fucking heated rivalry from back in the playing days together, uh, which is hilarious. And then you factor in this whole thing with the Lakers. They extend Rob Polinka because he is obviously the king of team building, but he traded away everything that made the Lakers good. I, I mean, he's just Genie Buss's guy, and I yeah. don't think there's anything really beyond that that you can point towards. Like, the, the Buss's reward loyalty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just that's, it's a, that's an easy explanation as that. One hundred seven, one hundred. Four minutes left in this game, Zach. Um, Pacers are have kind of gone cold recently. Yeah, they took James or James Johnson fouled out. I think that that'll help their offense a little bit because, like, he was just getting open in the corner and they were throwing it to him. It's like no one's scared of forty year old James Johnson shooting a three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like James Johnson, the mid range. Yeah, I'm block, I'm guarding the hell out of him. James Johnson anywhere else, probably not giving a fuck. You know, and, and that, that's part of the issue is like you can't have James Johnson out there that long. Uh, another thing here is Miles Turner's been actively terrible in this game, and it sucks that Isaiah Jackson got hurt. Like, I actually think the Pacers are probably winning this game pretty easily if Isaiah Jackson's playing center right now and not Miles Turner. Yeah, that's Miles like, Turner, two for eight, seven points, five rebounds. He's also got like three or four blocks, and it's just like, you know, that's what he's known for is, you know, blocking shots. But, like, today on the Woj Pod, he said, I'm paid to make shots. It's like, no, you're fucking not. You're paid to literally be a defensive anchor and you let shit like this happen where, like, you get caught in a switch and you don't know how to rotate, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, like, that's one of the more f- infuriating things is I think that Miles Turner even overvalues himself, which then causes the Indiana fan base to overvalue him as well. Yeah. Um. Right, I mean, go. I think four-point four game, three minutes I, left. I mean, I think he like Brooklyn calls a timeout. I, I think he needs a different situation. I think he is good, but he definitely overvalues himself. 
Um, and I, I think a new situation of him, like, you know, where he's like actually expected to step up and, you know, have those eyes on him might be good for him, but, but you're right. He definitely overvalues himself right now. Yeah. I, it, it may just be as easy as that. Like he's, he's played in Indiana his entire career and it's, I don't necessarily, it, it's like, what, what would you value, what would you say is valueless? Because like to me, I'm thinking like if you were to acquire, let's say, a player like OG Ananobi, the Pacers are sending at least the Boston pick to Toronto. Oh, OG Ananobi is hundred percent way more valuable than Miles right. Turner. So um, that's what I'm saying is like, where is the value line? Because like you have to think salary range. Miles Turner is dirt cheap, expiring contract. He's like eighteen million dollars. So like comparatively to most of the shitty contracts you're going to have to attach stuff together, right? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the teams that I keep thinking about is, like, Duncan so Robinson. Let's, I, I think the way to think about this is, like, let's take the Lakers out of the equation. Who is trading for Miles Turner and what are they giving up? How about, how about this? Would, would you do Duncan Robinson and a, a lottery-protected first for Miles Turner? I mean, from the Heat side, I'd do that. Yeah, I mean, because I think I think the Pacers should consider something similar to that, or like if it's not Duncan Robinson, like a Luke Kennard type player, like that's kind of where I think Miles Turner's value is. Is like, could you get like Doug McDermott in a first from San Antonio for Miles Turner? Not like they need centers. Like, no, because San Antonio isn't going to give a, give away a first. Well, it, I, I think I, I think Miles Turner is. It, it's one of those things where the Patriots are probably going to move him in January to or February to either a team that whose center got hurt and they're thinking, okay, maybe we can re-sign him for, you know, four years, a hundred million or something like that. Or yet yeah, you are going to get a first round pick from a contender for him. It just, Obviously, yes, the Lakers is the, the, the Lakers are the best fit because of the you, you know just what him and Heels could do. But it's yeah, it's I, I think you should be able to get a first for Turner. Yeah. How well protected that first is, I don't know. Did he just fall out? No, they're challenging it. Uh Joe Harris and the 2023 first from Philly. Yeah, that, I, I would, I would do that. Is that is that yeah. fair value for Miles Turner? I think that that's pretty close to fair. Well, maybe not. I mean, I think you can get somebody slightly better than Harris, but if that's the kind of guy, if if you need, if you're dead set on another three point shooter for the Pacers, I, I, I'm just thinking of like, you, I, I'm thinking like if you're just going like strictly off of like value like how much money somebody can you make like would you send gordon hayward for miles turner straight up i wouldn't take that if i were the pacers i i think the pacers would have to if that was on the table i 100 percent think you would have I don't to think take that I, I don't think you're not getting any miles turners it, like i to the right team miles turner is worth a hell of a lot more than that yeah mm-hmm I don't and know. I do think you can hold out because, like, I do think the Lakers are going to come back and be like, okay, we'll give you 
the 2027 and the 2029 in Westbrook for Heald and Turner. I just wonder what else the Lakers are trying to get in this deal. Like, why hasn't this been done yet? Like, if Miles I Turner, Lakers, I, I think the Lakers are just waiting because I, I think they're waiting for the price to come down on either Turner or Heald, like for one of them to just be eh, and then maybe they can just get rid of one first round pick. Maybe that's that 2029. 20, like, <laughs> I, I know that you got to do something before the LeBron window closes, but like. I would be holding on like crazy for that to that 2027 first. Yeah. I would try like I wonder I wonder if it's not like 2027 first and then the rights to swap 2028. I think I would do that if I was Indiana. Maybe. And like maybe if the 2028 doesn't convey, you get a second. Like you take their 2028 second round pick. Something like that. To me, something where I think you need to get I, a first back for Taylor or for Turner in some way. I just don't know what. That well, is. that's what I'm saying. You get the 2027 guaranteed, mm-hmm. and then you get the 2028 swap protected for absorbing Westbrook's egregious contract, mm-hmm. and then also sending the Lakers a very capable shooter. Game. Good defense by Joe Harris. Yeah, wow. just. He's looked good. Very good defense on that possession against uh, Halliburton. Or was that Halliburton or Heal? That was Halliburton. I've ne- yeah. I, I've never seen Halliburton like actively just go try to shoot like that though. Like that's one of the first times I've ever seen him like try to take over like that. Which uh, he's he's related to Paul George, which you know gives a lot of Pacers fans a little weariness. This game's over. That game that 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 should solidify this one. Yeah, I mean, you suck. You 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 got Jalen Smith sucked up on defense in that one. But you you like Chris Duarte or Halliburton's gonna have to get a three point play here. Nope. Yeah. They're just gonna start fouling. Well, what what do you think of that? What do you think of that game, Zach? This wasn't as fun as a lot of the. Wait, was that – no, was that – that wasn't Watanabe playing defense on him, was it? The, the last possession, Watanabe shut down. Uh, but that, that was Harris, the possession before, right? Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it looks like Brooklyn's going to win this game by the skin of their teeth. But if I'm a Brooklyn fan, I'm fucking ter- – I'm terrified about the rest of the week. I mean – Tomorrow's took, game will be interesting for sure. I mean, but, it took what Kyrie and KD probably both played close 35, 40 minutes each. I mean, and I know I think KD had 34, Irving had like 28, if I remember. If I'm yeah, the, I'm not. If I'm, the, if I'm looking at the game, yeah, looking at the game stats now. So it's like, like you're talking about a Pacers team who, without their best defender, and at this point, I'm calling Isaiah Jackson their best defender, uh, like in the second half like actually made this a game and it should not have been buddy healed what the fuck are you doing you had chris duarte wide open for a second there Rick. yeah Yeah. i I think this this game even though it's a win would worry me oh my god i didn't miss that layup well it's here's the thing with the it's gonna I, you're gonna the nets are gonna need like 20 games pacers did cover nine and a half they're gonna need they're going to need Kyrie to 
if the Nets are six and fourteen after twenty games, it's it's done. We're done here. Oh yeah, somebody's getting traded, and Steve Nash. It's Durant's getting trade. Durant's going to demand a trade again. I think six and fourteen is very realistic. Their their schedule's not easy. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose tomorrow. Um, overall, though, absolutely uh, fun doing this. We should do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a lot I, of fun. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in for more of this. This this is a uh, you know Duarte had a career high thirty points. Uh, they were down twenty four. They tied the Pacers. Were down twenty four. If you would have. Like after that first quarter, I thought like Brooklyn was going to win by thirty. Yeah. Uh, so following like, the one of my favorite tweets so far, following that Woj interview, this with this game was a very tough look for Miles Turner. Yes. Kate, <laughs> Caitlin Cooper, uh, Kevin Durant, thirty six nine and seven, yielded 22, 22 plus for the third straight game. I, I man, it's. If I'm the Pacers, I'm not mad at that game, honestly. Miles Turner, I, I though, think there's some positives I think you can take out of that game. Miles, Miles Turner, Turner worst Miles, Miles Turner, Turner not one of them, but like Duarte went off. Like Miles Turner was the worst plus minus on the team with minus 21. You cannot yeah, go on need his lunch. Yeah, Claxton fucking killed him. Uh, and again, that's been my big gripe with Miles Turner since he's been here is. Anybody who gets physical with him, he literally cannot play against. Um, Sacramento uh, ended up knocking off Charlotte 115-108. Sabonis was a plus 12 with nine points, 9.16 rebounds, seven assists. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Davion Mitchell, 23 off the bench. De'Aaron Fox must have gotten hurt. He only played nine minutes. Uh, That's not great if you're a Kings fan. Around the league... Utah up at the half, 59-44 over Memphis. Uh, yeah, not, not great there. Uh, then Toronto uh, really stuck it to Atlanta the second half of that. The second half of the second half. Um, Pascal Siakam, 31-12-6. Scotty Barnes, 21-7-8. That is literally the only team where if I was any contender, I would never want to play them, ever. Like, because everybody is 6'9 and can switch. Who gives a shit? Like, the only player who's not 6'9, I'm pretty sure, is... And obviously, I'm being facetious here, but, like, the only player who's not 6'5 or taller is Fred Van Vliet on that squad. Yeah. I mean... Pacers next game, by the way, we, we get four days off. Uh, Friday against wow. Miami, I will be working that game, so it'll be exciting. Um, four days off, jeez. Four days off. That's this a early, lot. Yeah, this early in the season, too, uh, will be really nice to maybe get Aaron Neesmith healthy because uh, I think Aaron Neesmith starting Kevin Durant tonight. Pacers actually probably win. Uh, Aaron Neesmith has been that good of a defender this year. Ooh, you see the, the Pistons are only down six to the Bucks. Yeah, that's the Pistons demo right now. They're a very pesky team. Uh, the one thing I was not super sure about with the Pistons was how good their bench was going to be, and their bench is the reason why they're, like, relatively in this game. Uh, Giannis, though, still otherworldly. Drew Holiday, 19, 6, and 9. Uh, 
they'll, they'll probably pull away here in the second or the the fourth yeah. quarter here. But yeah, um, Utah though, uh, very interesting. They're still bringing Colin Sexton off the bench, and he is. I think he could easily win six man of the year if he stays on this pace here. But uh, I mean, something's working for him. Hey man, I'm glad for I'm I'm honestly really happy for them. Um. Anyway, guys, it's been a blast. I enjoy doing that. Yeah, it's been great. Good luck. Have fun editing this. Oh, it'll be <laughs> it'll be awesome editing. Honestly, I might not edit a whole lot. I, might, I may not even throw the theme song on. I might just upload it and call it a day. Like I might cut out the portion. <laughs> Yeah, just cut. Uh, there's a couple portions that need cutting out, but yeah, yeah right, let's, honestly, let's do this again for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, all right, guys, have a wonderful night. And if you're yeah. listening to this, first off, why? The second off, I hope you have a wonderful Listen to any other podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, college yeah. basketball starts uh, next week. That or, uh, well, it starts for me it? tomorrow. Because oh, yeah. Franklin, Franklin College. Is coming to IUPUI. So I'm excited Have to fun. go watch the IUPUI Jaguars, who are still probably going to be the worst team in college. Take, hey, take take some uh, notes on that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> anyway, you guys have a wonderful night. Thanks yeah. so much for listening. Have a good one, guys. Have a great day.